I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're gay. And his NB. Episode 21, we can drink. Rager mode. <laughs> we're going to get so drunk. And honestly, this is the week to do it because a lot's happening. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, across uh, this episode. It's our Bravo episode. We're going to talk about all things Bravo TV. Um and and what's on the docket? Because there's a lot on the docket. We gotta we gotta, we, we gotta get people aware. We gotta get through all of the craziness that is Vanderpump. Uh, that is including <laughs> mentioning. We're not gonna dive into it because it was mostly waist deep bullshit. But um, we're going to mention the Howie Mandel. Uh, interview when with I, when Tom we, Sandoval. When we founded this podcast, I never thought in a million years we would be talking about Howie Mandel on a Gay in His MB podcast. But Honestly. this is the world we're living in. Uh, and then we will talk about Ultimate Girls Trip to round out the end of our episode. Um, but before we get there, before we get to the craziness down in Mexico at Sheena's wedding, first... First, we have New Jersey. It's a very, uh, I guess, international episode now that I think about it. They're all over the place. Uh, we got Mexico. We got Ireland. We, we got, got Thailand. Thailand, two, yeah. Two, like three very distinct places. And then, you know, last episode we had Fiji and then, you know, Hollywood. Oh. But, you know, um, you know, lots of different locales. <laughs> lots of different locales. Uh, we start this episode of Jersey as uh, Danielle is doing her pop-up shop for her clothes clothing line uh thing at envy melissa's store obviously first i i'm like i know they mentioned it that they were doing the pop-up shop part of me when the scene was airing i was like envy's still around like but it's it's still kicking um and a moderately successful thing started <laughs> by the gorgas what i know right um and so she's uh getting everything set up uh, she pulls out. I, I just noted that she had pulled out this like really green, sparkly, like sequindy, like felt like over sweater, like like oversized sweater with like eyes on it. Like it was weird. I it looked like an acid trip. It looked really. I mean, some of the stuff looked good in in her collection. We didn't watch the uh, after show together, but did you see that apparently Danielle like is claiming that Melissa didn't pay her? For what she was no, I did yeah. not hear about that. Yeah, so I admittedly I, did not watch the after show. I'm sure it's going to get either brought up later in the season or on the reunion, so that'll be fun. Um, but yeah, so uh, and then Jen- also a Gorga not paying someone, <laughs> shocking. <laughs> oh man. Um, and then so Jennifer then stops by as well to check it out, and we were talking about like it was really weird seeing Jennifer and Melissa being so buddy buddy. I mean, they had a couple episodes ago had talked about like wanting to, you know, get to a better place and, like, try to find a friendship, you know, between them. It's weird in retrospect, especially ba- what what happened at BravoCon. Yeah. You know, oh, not, boy. Yeah, not too long from now. Um. So, but, I mean, it seems genuine, at least in this part. I mean, you never know. Theoretically. Yeah. Um, and at one point, Jennifer pulls Melissa aside and and is like, and, you know, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, you're okay with us being bridesmaids and Teresa's wedding. I, you know, I didn't want to hurt you, essentially, which, okay. She should have done beforehand, but whatever. We, we talk, talked about it. We talked about the kind of glee that Jennifer uh, had. Um, uh, which also Melissa brings up in the in confessionals. Yeah. Like, bitch, I saw your face. Like, <laughs> and, and, you know, she, you know, Jennifer brings up, you know, 
Teresa, uh, I mean, Teresa extended you that offer. I mean, I know you rejected it, but you can always change your mind. And Melissa's like, I'm not changing my mind on that. You know, she's sick of Teresa, basically sick of Teresa causing all these problems or whatever that it's not, you know, you know, she needs to stop trying to, you know, do things that are to hurt people, etc. I just thought it was strange that she was saying this to Jennifer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like. Why are you bad-mouthing Teresa to her number one ally? Yeah, as if Jennifer's not going to take that back there. I guess maybe Melissa doesn't care at this I point. I mean, maybe. That seems to be her attitude. At least at least it seems to be the attitude she's presenting. Um, we'll, we'll definitely talk. I, I guess we could briefly talk about like her on Watch What Happens Live uh, for this episode, which I thought was interesting there were a lot of things on watch what happens live that will come up yeah but like she was being very snappy with andy and like like very defensive not in like i i i I think melissa's in the right and i think she is upset about what she feels is her character being maligned and Mm -hmm. like and stuff like that i understand that but the way she's projecting that it it comes off very like defensive and like yeah. you know it, it's not coming off it's like it's rolling off your back you know that's not like, very jinx water off a duck's back no not at all um and then jennifer jennifer in her confessional brings up which i feel like i brought up on the past podcast like you know i don't really understand what melissa's coming from how melissa's coming to this when she talked about being so sad that this relationship is sort of broken between her, her and Joe and Teresa, but you seem to be just breaking all of these olive branches that Teresa's offering you. You can be sad that something is over and not be interested in repairing it. Well, that, but, but maybe be more explicit, I think, to be like, sure. I'm not interested in repairing this. I, I would think that that's like where the, Katie is on Vanderpump Rules with Schwartz. Absolutely. We'll definitely get into that. But I think like, with Melissa and Joe, they kind of go both ways. They, yeah. they may, they say one Depends time on what's convenient at the moment. It's the, at one point they're over it and they're done and moving on. And now that, and then they want to repair things. Even Joe on watch happens. I was like, no, it's like when Andy's like, I don't think there's any fixing this. I think you guys are completely moving on. And Joe's like, no, it, we're family. There's always fixing it. It's like, okay, but like make up your mind at this point. This yeah. is like that. The flip-flopping on that is more frustrating than anything. I would rather they just move on. And, yeah. you know, you know. Um, and she, Melissa says she doesn't want to go into this trip in, to Ireland with a chip on her shoulder. Um, and Danielle also then brings up her issues with Rachel that she expressed at uh, Paul's house and stuff like that. And calls Rachel a rat, which Melissa was like, this is Jersey. Like, when you call someone a rat, it's a big freaking deal. Like, yeah. You know, uh, and yeah, you know, and Danielle knows that, I think, too. Um, You know, and Danielle's like, you know, all her running and trying to spin the stuff to Margaret or whatever. And, you know, clearly I can't trust in her. And at the end of the day, like, but Melissa's like, I don't want it to ruin the trip. And she's like, I can put it aside for that trip. But like, I forgive people, but I don't forget. Right. I And I'm kind of with Danielle on that. Um, They're getting ready to pack to go to Ireland. Teresa's packing and she's like, like Louie, I'm, I'm packing or whatever. I don't know what the weather's going to be like in Ireland. And she, th- she's thinking of bringing like bathing suits as if like, I mean, you're not going to be wearing them out. I can understand wanting to have one. If for, you think if there's, there's like, like a, a pool. hot tub or a pool or something, but you're not going to like the beach. But also and if you are, you're, you're wearing like a dress and sandals and like a 
sweater and a hat like you're not wearing it's yeah not the a beach. sarong yeah but we we were also like that when she was like i don't know what the weather's gonna be like you can google like you can check like i don't like that the age that we're living in it's not that difficult. did we revert to 1986 where we didn't have google where i mean i think even back then you probably could have found out somehow yeah it's not that hard um we're at Paul- pick up an almanac <laughs> we're at paul's house again and uh, Dolores is there with uh, Paul's brother and sister-in-law. And Dolores is talking about getting ready for the trip. And we how... were very confused as to who these people were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those lower thirds were not super clear. For a second, I because th- I thought it was his dad. And I was like, but now that I think about it, they were ki- they're, they're kind of more similar in age. Yeah. Usually. Well, and then the fact that his name is David and this is connected <laughs> to Dolores, I'm like, what is David's family? Do? She's not even on good terms with David right yeah. now. Why is he in the... Oh, okay. Yeah. And Dolores talks about when they went to Ireland, she bonded a lot with Paul's family and that like it reminds mm-hmm. her a lot of her family um, and sort of that vibe. Um, they're staying at a 400-year-old castle in Westmeath, um, and, but she's worried that Ireland might not be the girl's vibe that doesn't seem... like. It's a little more, it is a little more laid back vibe. Like, it's not the, like, party town or the, like, we're going to going drinking housewife. Like, it can be, as we saw with uh, OC when they went. But, right. Like, it depends on what, how you're doing it. They, they do, like, college town type rager type drinking, not housewives turning up and getting cute hunty um type drinking and not in like a 400 year old like historic castle no no um and paul's sister-in-law her suggestion is like when you're doing dinners no glassware plastic cups Mm -hmm. um which Uh, what was the advice he gave um it was if uh in ireland if you start singing, they will sing with you. Yeah. If you start fighting, they will fight with you. Yeah. Choose accordingly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, were, they were cute, I thought. Um, so we're going like in between sort of everyone as they're getting ready. Marge is telling Joe about the stuff with the cup reader and how, mm-hmm. <laughs> how bullshit it was and ridiculous. Um, and then we kind of go to Teresa and Louie and Joe and, and Melissa separately. Um, and Louie's talking about like what happened at the shore house and stuff like that. And that he, th- he talks about how it's kind of hard to reason with Joe because he, he's very theatrical mm-hmm. with his anger, which I do agree. Like, I think it's like, you can't, he has this, I don't like to say character because it makes it seem like it's coming from a fake place, but it's like, he puts on this character, so to speak, when he's angry to where it's like, you can't get to the real shit and just talk. Yeah. You know? Um, and that in Louis just drained essentially, he says, um, so Jennifer is, uh, planning also the bachelorette party for, uh, Teresa when they're there and wants basically everyone to wear green and Teresa's going to wear white. So it's a contrast. Uh, and then Jennifer and Bill, um, start talking about like therapy and the, and the session they went to, um, and, uh, Jennifer kind of basically asked Bill if he'll, you know, work on spending more time with the kids and not be in the pool house all the time. Like, and this is, I kind of liked Jennifer's mentality here for the most part. She says something that I thought was very odd, but I think she meant it a certain way. Uh, Cause Bill then is like, you know, so basically you're telling me I can't be my true self, which I don't think is, it is the point. Like, yeah, that's not like, 
Jennifer, so your true self is not a father? Yeah, it's like you can be your true self and still have like make a point to make more time for your family. You like, realize that a father is also a, it's a parent. Yeah, like you have to parent the children. It like I don't think he understands that it's not just a pump and dump situation. Well, yeah, and because Jennifer Jennifer says in response to that, she says your true self got left at the door the minute you said I do, which sounds really harsh and bad, and like no, that's not the message. But then when you take a second sort of analyze what she's saying, um, I think what she's saying is you're in a marriage, and so there are certain th- like I'm not telling you to not be yourself, but yourself needs to fit in a realm in which you're a part of a family. Right. Well, and see, I didn't even think it was necessarily in terms. uh, Yes. She said, I do, but I didn't even think it was in terms of necessarily the marriage and more of, we have kids. Yeah. They have to come first. So yeah, you can't be your true self. If your true self is someone not taking care of these kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think so. Figure it out. And then, and then this was sweet because Jennifer's then like, you know, at the end of the day, like we're fighting, but I'm just fighting for your time. I actually like having you around. And it was a sweet moment of like, yeah, you know, I actually, it, I think it kind of reiterated what she had in that conversation with Dolores at that lunch last episode of just like, you guys still love each other. It's clear that you guys still love each other. Yeah. Like you just have to like, you know, get on the same page. And like Jennifer took something. From a constructive conversation. Yeah. And you and then applied it to her life. And it, it it was astonishing. Now that I think about it, she really is pretty Jennifer is kind of on a good mindset a lot of the times outside of the social group with the girls. When it's anything involving the social group with the girls, she's like crazy and delusional and like says does dumb, stupid, like mm-hmm. destructive shit. When it comes to things like her family, she actually is pretty smart and level-headed. Like, I yeah. think about, like, the, the, she, when they've done the, the stuff about how her mother and her father have had issues and stuff like that. Like, really tough mm-hmm. sort of issues in that regard. Or, like, her brother being gay and, like, that sort of stuff with her. Like How she, she navigated her kids finding out about the affair. Like It's so weird that in that realm, she's actually got a good head on her shoulders. Except, but she can't apply that to anything else. I feel like she knows what show she's on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the only way that makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm not going to blow my family up for this show. The family has to work. It has to function. It's what I fall back on. It's what I come home to. But when I'm out here with these bitches, absolutely I'll throw them under the bus for yeah. ratings because it makes my check increase every year. Like, she's clocking in. Like, she's yeah. like... Which I guess is in the like is technically not the best way to look at housewives, but like when you, you like I appreciate the sense of in the sense of like you know I'm showing up to work. Yeah, you know, so that's nice. I mean, you can't ever say the bitch don't work. Yeah, and Bill says that he's open to maybe maybe more therapy, and and Jen's like maybe's good enough for me because for Bill it was a hard line before, right. so it's you know. I, again, I, I like Jen the scene. The, this, yeah. this was good. Um, they're going and flying to Ireland. Um, Melissa talked about how she's bringing uh, sleepy time tea for the plane. And I love Jen Fessler going, 
just do fucking Xanax. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you don't need like a concoction. Jen Fessler was great this whole episode. Um, um, Marge is again. Jen Fessler is not about that drug shaming. No, no, no. She'll no. take the Ozempi. She'll take the Xanax. <laughs> she'll take the whatever she needs to get what she wants. She's got the Lisa Rinna uh, uh, baggie with all the. <laughs> yeah. I... This, I know that that's why I love her. Um, Marg, 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 Marge and Jennifer are sort of avoiding each other again, kind of keeping their distance. And Marge, Marge is like, you know, I'm, it's a large castle we're staying in. I'm sure there's a dungeon to put her in. It's, it's like, oh, wow. Jesus Christ. Um, Danielle, and then Danielle's trying out her Irish accent. And it's really bad. And I was like, where is Shannon Bedore? When you need her. It still wasn't as bad as Shannon's. Top of the morning. And at least I, I feel like she's going to like drop it after the joke is made as opposed to Shannon who kept it up the entire trip. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, I'm, I miss Shannon. But OC, I hear is coming soon. So. I hear we're getting it for June. Yeah. That's the. Yeah. I'm. I'm but I also heard we were getting it for May. <laughs> and then I also heard we were getting it in April. So. Who knows? Uh, it's been over a year since we have had OC at this point. Yeah, we're craving it, honestly. I, at least I am, definitely. Um, Melissa's worried about ghosts, in the, and she's very adverse to ghosts because it's just a historic castle and stuff like that. Um, Dolores and uh, Teresa both basically agree. Well, Dolores has said it that, you know, I'm getting the biggest room. The two biggest rooms, one goes to Dolores because she organized the trip, and they're like, yeah, that's fine. And then Teresa's getting the other one because it's also her bridesmaid trip, so that makes right. sense. And then everyone else is going to pick rooms out of, out, of, out of a hat. They're driving up to the, uh, to the castle, and they're talking, and the girls are like, you know, oh, Jennifer, you should do those impressions again like when we were in Jamaica, because they're like, Jamaica was the last time we went out of the country for a vacation. <laughs> yeah, and I... I knew what they were talking about, but the second that somebody goes, you should do the accents like in Jamaica or the impressions like in Jamaica, I'm like, oh, this is going to get bad. What are we doing? Yeah. Oh, it's not that. Okay, cool. Well, because I mean, it was crazy <laughs> even looking back when they did the flashback of it and like Margaret laughing at it too, even when it was mocking her. Like, like, well, it's crazy how much younger everyone looked. Yeah. And that was just a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. 2019 seems like forever ago, but it really was not that long ago. No. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Um, and then, so they're like, it's you an know, entire pandemic Lovato ago. I forgot. Someone suggests like, Oh, let, let's let Jen Fessler do it. Cause didn't you go to acting school or whatever? And she's like, yeah, I went to acting school. Oh, I, this story. And I became a talent agent. And <laughs> Teresa, I mean, like, have you met any uh, interesting actors? And then we find out that according to Jen Fessler, she slept with James Gandolfini. Which, for those of you who aren't in the know, is Tony fucking Soprano. Which is, like, it's such a gag. Not only that, but that he apparently took well, her... Well, she didn't talk about gagging. Uh, well, but he did take her to an S&M bar, apparently, according <laughs> to her. Uh, and just, like, describing him, like, in detail. And then, at the end, Jen and her confessional just goes, but he absolutely was inside me. That is a fact. Twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got or no more than once I think is what she said she's got like the like she's charismatic she's got stories for days like I, I feel like she needs to be full-time next season that's just me 
Um, they arrive at Ballinlow Castle, which is the castle they're staying at. They're like admiring how like old school it is. Rachel at one point says it smells like bacon, which I was like, that seems weird, but I kind of know what you're meaning. Like, like you know that old, like old home smell. It's not. Yeah. It, like when you, it's like. It's basically grease. Yeah, exactly. yeah, there you go. It, it's grease. Yeah, perfect. It's grease in a kitchen that hasn't been scrubbed quite as thoroughly as you wish it had been. Then you get a little bit of dust on the grease. Yeah. That's it. That's the smell. So they're picking uh, 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 paper out of a hat to forget their rooms, and each room has like a name to it or whatever. Can um, we talk about the fact that they said they were setting aside the best rooms for Teresa yeah. and Dolores, and somehow Jennifer still ended up at the best room. Well, bigger doesn't mean best. I think that's that the, was the best room. Well, that's what I'm saying. It was the best room with the best, uh, with the best bathroom. That bathroom was crazy. I love Margaret just going, "Oh, you got a good bathroom, you bitch." <laughs> <laughs> well, and the best because Jennifer is like, "I don't care what room I get, you know. I live in a mansion anyway." So, it's and then fine. the second she gets her room, she's like, "Yes, Yay. I do. <laughs> I do care, actually." <laughs> um, but what I, that's what I mean. Like, I feel like Dolores and Teresa maybe had the most square footage, but it didn't mean they had the best room. No, that wallpaper was not it. No. Yeah, Jennifer definitely had the best one. Um, they sit down at lunch, and uh, ter- immediately Teresa notices the pineapple in like the fruit tray or whatever. Teresa and Melissa sitting down next to each other randomly. Margaret Margaret posts posts that out like, "Oh, I find it weird that Teresa's like cozying up to Melissa." I don't know if it. I don't know if it was cozying. Like, I feel like they were just sitting next to each other. Well, yeah, they sat next to each other. But then when she's pointing out the pineapple, she literally leans over to Melissa and goes, oh, look at the pineapple. But that is- And then Melissa then in turn goes, um, we don't need any of that here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do agree that it's odd Teresa acknowledges Melissa's existence because that is. <laughs> but I feel like maybe without the boys it's a little bit easier, like without Joe Maybe. around there's, and that just goes back to the, the, the highlight of this issue is between Joe and Melissa or mm-hmm. between Joe and Teresa, yep. not Teresa and Melissa. So, I mean, yes, there's some animosity there because of the Joe of it all. Right. But at the end of the day, the two of them really do enjoy being around each other. Yeah. And the other stuff is getting in the way of that. I think if in another world they could be friends, like it's yeah. like, yeah. I agree. Um, and Dolores basically is giving them the rundown and basically telling them not to be rude while they're in Ireland. Like that it's a, you know, you have to be on your best behavior. And then immediately brings up how Jackie spoke to the cup reader at, uh, Paul's house, yeah. which we were at the time being like, you don't have to do this in front of her. This is kind of crazy. Um, yeah. And then Margaret is immediately like, well, that's Jennifer's fault because she, <laughs> as Margaret put it, Jennifer witness tampered. <laughs> she did, and then she admits to it. Well, yeah. So, well, so she immediately doesn't immediately admit to it. Um, so she's like, she, Tere- she was like, well, I got her from Teresa or whatever, and Teresa has no issues. And Teresa's like, yeah, she's only had given me good readings. Like the only and Jennifer said like the only thing that she told her was that you and Mar that her and Marge Margaret were in a fight. And everyone's like, What? <laughs> like, so you did. You did witness Amber. And then she said something about did you 
Like you, there's no way that she got my exact verbiage of the endorsements from that fight, except from you. And then in confessional, Jennifer's like, "Did I tell her that?" Yeah, fuck. Shit. Did I tell her that? <laughs> <laughs> like, I could. I feel like Jennifer was either like drunk or something, where she was just like, "I know I said like I I could believe that she like didn't." think about like the full scale i think jennifer in her mind is like well i just told her i had a fight but didn't think in her head that like there was like this long-standing thing i still say like i all i thought at the time it could have been production also putting that in the cup reader's head but you know if jennifer's gonna at least cop to it and Teresa throwing her under the bus a little bit which i think i think led to some events later on in the episode you think I part of my suspicion it it's it's a little suspicion I had in the back of my head hmm. um, you know she you know and they they keep doing mar Margaret and Jennifer keep having this fight over this using like court terms <laughs> and being like, you know, oh, it's a you know Jennifer brings up something about it, like the it's a jury of your peers or whatever, and Margaret's like, but you're not allowed to call the jury the night before, like <laughs> yeah, clearly, um, and then Jennifer like cops to it. And is like, you know, I might have said it. I don't recollect. And I love the Lord just being like, we'll take it. <laughs> like, at least you're owning it. Like, <laughs> in that well, regard. Not quite owning it. More like renting it. She's like, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, but she said specifically, Jennifer then says that she told her nothing about Laura. Like, none of the, the, none of the Laura stuff she told uh, Angie. Um, and, <laughs> oh, and like. You know, uh, Margaret brings up the like, oh, you're spreading stuff about, you know, of, you know, this, you're taking this stuff from this, my friend that's, you know, putting all this stuff out and is spreading it. And Jennifer goes, it's not spreading. It's repeating what somebody said. That's what spreading <laughs> it's literally is. spreading. It's like, oh, God. Uh, and then Danielle asks, like, what Laura said. And Jennifer won't repeat. He's like, she's like, I'm not going to repeat it. Like, there's, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to like go into certain details or whatever. And Danielle's like, because this was something that like was told to her, you know, in, in vague terms, like she's like, but I need to know, like in the sense of like, should I be looking out for Margaret? You know, if, is it like just gossipy stuff or is it like bad shit? Like, you know, <laughs> you know, and we get, see later that Danielle pushes it a little further. Um, and Jennifer is basically in her confessional being like, I think Margaret at the end of the day knows what Laura said to me and is it's pissing her off at the end of the day. And I'm loving every minute of it, which a lot of schadenfreude. Um, yeah. But I, that's what we've talked about. It. I feel like Margaret and Jennifer are kind of the same coin. Like, I think yeah. they, they both would sort of feel that same way. So then they start to go to their rooms to get ready. And Danielle is in Jennifer's room and again, asks her in private, like, what did Laura say? Like, and Jennifer is like not willing to repeat. She says it goes beyond petty shit and it involves family. And so I don't want to look like a hypocrite based off of what's been done to me by Margaret, by right. getting into deeper shit, which she kind of, <laughs> that struggle kind of goes somewhat quickly. I, I don't think it was like, you know, unless this was like a plan, which I don't like a plan with Danielle, which I don't put it past housewives. Obviously, we've seen right. in franchises, like, but it did seem like Danielle was not taking no for an answer. Yeah, that just, I didn't like how this scene played out. It yeah. felt either 
either it was very either way it doesn't make Danielle look good. It makes Danielle look awful. Yeah. Cuz she either pulled this information out of Jennifer when she was struggling with everything she had to say no, I'm not telling you, or it was an orchestrated plan to make Jennifer look good but still get it out there. Cuz it's so they craft if if it was a plan between the two of them, they crafted it well because Jen, like she asked again and, and Jennifer's like you know, Laura made me and Teresa swear not to say it. And Danielle's like, so she made you and Teresa not to swear that it must be about Melissa. Right. And then Jennifer's like, shit. Because at that point, it's like, if I, I can't say no, it's not about Melissa. And so. But you could. I mean, you could. Like, you don't have to tell you her can the lie. truth. You don't have to tell anyone the truth. You can go, you know what? It's, um, I'm not telling you who it's about. Like, it could be about Melissa. It could be about Margaret. It could be about you. I, I'm not telling you. Yeah. And at the end of the day, there is nothing you can do to make me share this information. I'm really not comfortable with this conversation. Can you please leave my room? Right. You could have done that. Yeah. You know, like, I, I, you're not struggling that hard. That's why it feels kind of fake to me. Yeah. I, I, it read that way to me, too, a little bit. Like... Um, and so it, it comes out. So basically, and this is what we had known from the blogs and, and reports from the season that Margaret, the room, what Jennifer is claiming is that Margaret told Laura a rumor that somebody that works with both of them, when she said both of them, I think she means Margaret and Laura, but she didn't clarify. She didn't clarify um, that he basically opened the backseat of a car and saw Melissa in the backseat with another guy making out. So, I, I just have to get this straight. This is second hand to Margaret, third hand to Laura, fourth hand to Jennifer. Yes. Fourth hand information. Yeah. You don't think the story might have morphed a little between Who is the guy? I want to find the guy. Because the guy told Margaret, who told Laura, who then told you. Right. To me, like bring the guy to the reunion. <laughs> like, you know what I right, mean? Right though. Like that's where it's and it's like some like baseball player or something like I don't like that she was making out with yeah it, the, the guy's been I've he I don't know his name but he's been named in like the like reports and stuff like that of who right. allegedly it is like you know so uh and then well this is where I'm like I feel like Jennifer was pissed at Teresa for throwing her under the bus at the at the lunch table was then Jennifer says that Teresa wanted to know and that she believes it mm that Jennifer adding that part to it makes me feel like Jennifer was mad at Teresa for throwing her under the bus at the table. To me, that sounds like that sounds like orchestrated. That to me, but like, then why would that? Because that would make Teresa look bad. Like, like we know based off of reports of everything that this is what leads to the blow up between Melissa, Melissa and Teresa, right? And this is why Melissa and Joe don't go to the wedding, right? So, at, but at this point, it doesn't necessarily involve Teresa. Like, Teresa's not bringing it out until Jennifer says this. In, it puts Teresa involved in it. But in a, to a certain extent. But what, mm, see, to me, it feels very much similar to other people that we will talk about later in this episode that like to isolate people who are around them and keep them to themselves. Yeah. Um, Cause I've seen Teresa, like from what I've seen, like Teresa's defense seemingly in the, you know, times after filming was like, 
why is Melissa taking this out on me? I did not spread the rumor. Right. Like Danielle did. And to a certain extent, Jennifer did. Cause I'm assuming Dan, based off to of the, a certain extent, it got out well, because Jennifer got, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Based I'm based off of the mid season trailer. When you piece things together, I seem, it seems like Danielle tells Melissa at one point. So that I mean that tracks because Danielle doesn't like it when people are talking behind people's backs, specifically hers. So I can understand why she would go to Melissa and say, "This is what's being said about you." Right, and so, but the question is, would Teresa have took it, taken it to the grave, or and and you know, and Danielle also in this moment sort of thinks like, could this be why Teresa didn't include Melissa in the wedding party because she's really upset about this for me sister standpoint of like you did this to my brother since when has Teresa been overly protective of Joe I think that's the base I think that's the basis of the issues with Melissa I think while she hates Joe and she does like 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 in at least in the early stages like they they would brother I think it started as brother sister fighting general brother sister fighting that once Melissa came into the picture thing then things got worse because of Teresa's either jealousy or whatever. Like, I think there's a part of Teresa that has either convinced herself in her head or truly believes that, like, well, Melissa is a gold digger. Like, she used to say that all the time. Like, it's the same thing that Joe's saying about Louie yeah. and said about Joe. No, I agree completely. I'm just saying, like, I don't think what Danielle's theorizing is that crazy, but, you know. I don't know. I'm tired of analyzing this relationship and yeah. trying to figure out where it went wrong um, and how to fix it. Like, honestly, um, the ladies get ready for the bachelorette party. And Teresa talks about how, you know, uh, I think she was talking about her first bachelorette with Joe Judice. Like she like, like they had strippers and all that kind of stuff. And she said it wasn't like magic Mike or whatever, like Channing taming. Jeez. Uh, like I never get tired of Teresa just not knowing what things are. Um, it it was reminding me of when, um, Mo Hart couldn't remember um, <laughs> Carol Carol Channing's name Cheryl Canning Cheryl Canning. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Um, um, they get to this dinner. Um, and the topic. So the topic then comes up about I forgot how, but like about sending nudes to your husbands while you're away on trips or whatever. Uh huh. Um, and Danielle makes the suggestion of I'm gonna send a pic, like like let's send a pic of my like chat, not like boob, but like chest or whatever, to Joe Gorga and see if he knows that it's Melissa or not, and like telling Melissa to do it. Um, and then <laughs> like Joe then texts back, who's that? Which like, everyone's like, I think Marge at one point says the man knows his tits <laughs> and Danielle and her confessional being like, thank God. <laughs> like their marriage is in a good place. <laughs> like how is that indicative of whether she has stepped out on him? Yeah. It's not, it would be more indicative of whether he stepped out on her. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and then, again, we have to get into the... It can't be like a light night. Because then Jen Fessler brings up wa asking why Teresa chose Jennifer and Dolores for... As if... Like, I, why did you choose Jennifer and Dolores? As if Jennifer and Dolores didn't tell her... Tell them about the whole, like, she was in meditation and it came to her. Sort of, like, yeah. you know, you're bringing it up at the table to yeah. start something. 
Um, and then Teresa uh, says that, you know, they've been really supportive of Louie and her, um, and, but that she was worried that Joe would be really, Joe Gorga would be really upset about it. And then this, again, it, then it just gets into it with her and Melissa. She says like, again, she keeps reiterating this, like, well, if Joe would have just told me about your mom and that he was upset about it, I would have just invited her or whatever. Um, and then, but Melissa is like, that doesn't make any sense because when you told these girls why she wasn't invited, you said there's a history. So it wasn't like you just like forgot about it. Like it yeah. wasn't like a forgetful moment. Like, you know, you said there was a reason behind it. Um, you know, and Melissa's like, you know, and Teresa then brings up, it's like, oh, because of all the social media posts and all that, like the reason with, Which the, with her sister. Melissa brings up was years and years and years ago. But, but I think I showed you though, that her mother is, is still liking tweets that are negative about Teresa. Yeah. But when did that start back up? Has it been consistent the whole time or did it start back up when the screen, this stuff happened? Well, yeah, the screen grabs I saw were like a year, maybe a year and a half ago. I don't like, okay. So like, you know, maybe around the time of filming, but like, I like, I but, mean, this was being filmed. I'm like late, like late summer, early fall last year. So yeah, not I, super long. But ago. I, I didn't, I didn't like on Watch What Happens Live when this t- the topic came up, and Melissa was like, "There weren't even that seriously that bad tweets," and they were a couple from like like decade a decade ago or whatever. And then Andy kind of fact checked her a little bit and was like, "No, they're pretty recent," and they're like. It's like, and then it's like, her, Melissa then goes like, well, my mom's not allowed to have an opinion. <laughs> like, it's like, okay. Like, I, I don't, I don't blame Teresa for not wanting at the very least the sisters at the wedding. It's not that crazy to me. But I do agree that Melissa's kind of being like, don't be, don't say it's like that you forgot. It's that you have, you said, you said that there was an issue. And then Melissa basically says that her and Teresa, you know, weren't good in the past, just like her and her family and Teresa, you know, and their issues. And then Jennifer being the helpful hand that she is goes, right. But you were, you're through obligation. And everyone's like, wait, what? <laughs> I mean, I, I know what she means and she's not technically wrong. Yeah. But she meant like family's family, like family's like, family. You invite family. Like that's who it is. You should want your family to be there. On your wedding day. Yeah, and I found it interesting that ter- even Teresa was going, I don't need help. I don't need that help. <laughs> like, even Teresa in that moment being like, that's not the right thing to say. <laughs> like, that's not it. That's not it. Abort. Abort. Yeah. And then, but again, Teresa brings up the whole, like, just call me if you had an issue. And Dolores kind of agrees and in her confessional. is like, Joe should have just picked up the phone and called, which I think, like, yeah, I think honestly, yes, a, but the insult is that it wasn't done it wasn't immediately thought of. Yeah, I I understand that, but I, I don't think that's the I think what Dolores is getting at is like okay, but you got to communicate. Like if you like yes. it doesn't it doesn't work to fester on things and like then build resentments. If you commu- I think Dolores' exact words were like, if you communicate to her and then she gives you attitude about it and then and then it gets defensive or whatever, then you can call her an asshole. But like I don't think that that's necessarily true. When it is something like this where it, where the action in and of itself is inherently insulting, it doesn't matter if they take it, it 
impact is the point, right? Yeah. Like, you hurt somebody's feelings. Even if you course correct, if you don't apologize sincerely, then it, do, and even it doesn't then, matter. Even then, it doesn't matter because you still caused the hurt initially. Right. And with the history, I don't know that at that point they were thinking that they would get a real apology out of Teresa. Yeah, I, and they wouldn't be wrong in that in that judgment, <laughs> like right because so like, it gets to later where Melissa, it's like Teresa's never accountable for anything that she does. Like she's not wrong. Yeah, she isn't. Like I think Teresa's working on it. Hopefully, like if we were to believe everything from the therapy and all that stuff, but based off of her track record, yes, she's not someone who holds herself accountable for. Things. So I can understand why they just wrote it off and were like, you know, I'm just done. Like I don't care. Yeah. Like, this is another small slight that you used to make me seem like I'm nitpicking and going crazy over something small, but at the same time, you knew what you were doing when you did it. Yeah. That's my issue. I think we've talked about it. Like, it's frustrating that there's this, like, inability to communicate, but we get it. Like, like yeah. we, it, it, like with all the history, it makes sense. Like... Completely. You know. Um... And then, like, they, they're immediately just, like, diffusing from it going further. And then Jackie starts, like, saying a limerick about Jennifer or whatever. And then Jen Fessler does one on Rachel and is like, I should be a rapper. I don't even remember what they were, but it was like, okay. Like, it was... The Jen Fessler one was good. The yeah. Jackie one was meh. Yeah. But the Jen Fessler one was good. And um, then I remember making some comment to you at the time while we were watching it. Like, could you imagine rap but to limericks? Yeah. And it would be bonkers. That, there has to be a genre. Like, th there, there, uh, like some fringe, like, underground thing that's, like, doing that. Can we not? <laughs> can, can if, if it is a thing, can it just pretend it never existed? Yeah. Because I don't think that those two things will go together well. No, no, no. Um, but that was Jersey for the week. I thought it was a good episode. I thought, you know, again, not too much, like, intense drama. I think it's going to get worse. I think with the bombshell that Jennifer dropped, like it's going to spiral seemingly from what we've seen. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break and buckle up, folks. We're getting into Vanderpump Rules. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the wrestling man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites, 
Fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to A Gay and His MB. Let's head on down to Mexico for, oh, wait, not Mexico quite yet. We're going to jump to present day uh, in the Vanderpump universe and talk about this bullshit that happened on... Did anybody watch this interview? Uh, I mean, I know we did. Don't. Anybody else? If you want to watch the Howie Mandel, Tom Sandoval interview, um, if you're going to watch it, and not just read the recaps of it. Skip, I'll, I'll say this, skip the first 10 minutes because it's literally just uh, Tom promoting his makeup line and tour dates for his band. I missed the makeup line because it... Makeup for men and like, I don't know. As if makeup isn't for anyone who wants to put it on. Like we have <laughs> to have man branded. Like, literally, literally uh, Howie Mandel's daughter brought up that exact point of like, why do you need like... What? Yeah. The, the men that are going to wear makeup, guess what? They're just going to pick whatever they need because they are misogynistic pieces of shit like you. Yeah, sure. Um, and then if you want to skip that really awkward um, joke about Schwartz culturally appropriating his last name and all that, you can skip that part. Like, go past the first, like, 10, 15 minutes because you're not missing anything other than that. And Howie Mandel being like, I don't watch this show. Can like <laughs> before we even get into the content of this, can we just talk about the fact that Howie Mandel, like, I don't, I don't really spend any brain cells thinking about the existence of Howie Mandel. Yeah. Um, but I after watching this interview, I'm really glad I haven't, and really glad I'm not invested in his personhood. Because this dude is a piece of shit. Now, now when I think about it, I know he's not like directly named, but like you know that all those reports about how like toxic America's Got Talent is like backstage. I'm like, this makes sense. Yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Like he literally spends the entire interview like shitting on people who watch Bravo. Like, why is this culturally relevant? Why does anybody watch this? As if Bravo isn't commonly known to be watched by mostly women and gay men yeah so it's just misogyny it's like oh these people care about it so it must not be important but also it it, the frustrating thing about the whole interview too is he had he doesn't watch he doesn't watch vanderpump rules and then he uses him not watching vanderpump rules as the justification as to not understanding why it's such a big deal and then he uses that understanding that belief based off of that, of why it's not such a big deal to undercut that, why Tom to support the idea that Tom did nothing wrong, which is 
ridiculous. Like even even if you don't know Vanderpump rules, even when you know the baseline facts of anything, Tom Sandoval still cheated on Ariana. Well, to be fair, he does say nobody is saying that you shouldn't or that you should go cheat on your your partner. Nobody is saying that that's okay. And then he spends the entire rest of the time undercutting that by making excuses for why it was understandable. Because he seems like a good guy, even though he's apparently met him like twice, including once at a wedding that Sandoval was performing at. And like, oh, I mean, you should be commended for talking about your mental health. As if Sandoval doesn't like, (laughs) like if you watch Vanderpump Rules, isn't like, you know, does all this like and i I get it talk about your mental health but like all this yeah but he weaponizes it but also like the fact that like you can somehow praise him for saying for him saying like i'm going through a lot in terms of my mental health in terms of i i and i was going a lot in terms of my relationship with ariana but when but not acknowledge ariana's mental health issues and almost use it as a justification like, As oh, to- I was going through a lot, so that is why I cheated. But, you know, the reason I was going through a lot was because she was going through a lot and creating a toxic environment for me. Yeah. It's not all about you, Tom. I don't know if you know that. It's about his brand, though. He's, he's, built, he's done so much to build his brand. Like, the world does not revolve around Tom Sandoval and his stupid fucking hat. Yeah, his <laughs> stupid fucking hat. <laughs> Oh God! Um, and then, like, again, he conscious it. Like, even from San, even like clear, like Andy Cohen even acknowledged it. And clearly, Andy Cohen, by the way, is pissed about this. Furious because he clearly broke his like you know don't talk very, until the reunion. At the very least, at the very least, he allowed Bravo to get scooped. Yeah, and this is twice in the same year that oh, this yeah. happened because it just fucking happened with Robin Dixon mm-hmm. scooping him, and then. Fucking Sandoval scooped him on an interview that he already had with Andy that just hasn't aired yet. Yeah, but it, Andy actually ch- knows the product and challenges him on certain things, I'm assuming, in that reunion. And that's why. He wanted his own narrative without challenging to get out there first. Also, spoiler alert, a member of his fucking band... His is band mar- manager. Oh, his band manager is married to... His production... Howie's production... Podcast production assistant, I think. Something like that. There's a connection here. So yeah. it's not it's not even that Howie was going in blind to this and just asking questions, you know, from a place of neutrality, because at least then I could understand. No, he was already going into this, not only having absolutely no idea who he was interviewing, but already biased for on that person's side. Yeah. Like I, this could not have been the, any more fucked up. Yeah. And also, spoiler alert, he contradicts himself many a times throughout the interview. He doesn't even do a good job. The of, whole thing is gaslighting. I, I think it's talking I t- around points. He never makes a fucking point. He just talks and hopes that somebody will piece something together out of the bullshit that he lays on the table. And it's just like, we've seen you do this shit for 10 fucking years, Tom. We're done. Me and Ariana live separate lives where we were essentially roommates. And then 10 minutes later, it's like, oh, we, we had been planning vacations and that together. Oh, you know, I uh, had been breaking. I had told we had had the settlement for a year that we were just presenting this certain thing on camera. But also I made the point to break up with her on Valentine's Day. Um, 
you know, definitively. Um, you know, what was the other ones? Like, oh, the, like, Ariana was threatening to, like, quit and, like, you know, move and, like, not face anything. And it was pissing me off that she wasn't being open about her relationship on television. But also, I don't owe the details of my of, of the cheating to production. Also, I don't owe anything to Lisa fucking Vanderpump. Oh. What? Lisa fucking Vanderpump, who fought for your ass to be on television 10 years ago, fought for several years with Bravo to get you on tv because she thought you were worth it she then funded your ass because she thought you and schwartz were a good enough brand to front a restaurant of hers do you know how fucking cool it is to be part of the vanderpump brand and you're shitting all over that you're shitting all over her who gave you everything you fucking have yeah and and we'll get into that later in the episode too because that comes into play but it's just like and then like you know I think I tweeted it like this is also less than a week from the Swartz watch what happens live interview that this happened. And it's like one, the fact that you guys couldn't get your fucking story straight before going on to these separate fucking interviews, Swartz being like, he understands what he did was wrong. He understands he's a monster and that he it's his fault and stuff like that. Meanwhile, he does this interview where he essentially blames Ariana for all for it all and tries to pass off this idea that Ariana essentially had a mental break and uh, threatened to basically kill herself if he left her and like, but, but also was like, after he had told her on Valentine's day that they were breaking up, then had this moment where he was like, where she was just like, so I'm, th- so do you want to make an appointment to like fertilize my eggs or whatever that I thing? as if she would, as if she had like a psychotic break where she like was in an alternate universe and where he is, never said this. Uh, this is apparently on the same day as the watch what happens with Raquel and Sheena yeah. and the concert where she finds his phone with the video of him on FaceTime with Raquel he's spanking basi- it. He's basically implying that like the whole TMZ story breaking and all that was Ariana doing that to set a narrative like as if he wasn't breaking up with her. Fucking bullshit. He, I don't believe a word of that. I That makes no fucking sense to me. It's ridiculous. It doesn't pl- play into this idea of anything of what we know of these people in the 10 seasons of watching this show. It makes no fucking sense. You should have just gone with what Schwartz said on Watch What Happens Live, that you were procrastinating and didn't say At it. At least his story had a through line. And I, while I don't necessarily buy that story either, I do buy that that's what you told him. Yeah. I don't think that Schwartz is the one lying. I think that you lied to Schwartz. I think you forgot what you told Schwartz and couldn't. He also said, like, I didn't watch the Watch What Happens Live thing, but I thought he did, I thought he did great. So which one was it? Yeah, he made no sense. Like, and, but he didn't, there was no follow-up questions. There was no, like, wait, you just said 10 minutes ago something different. I'm I confused. I mean, Howie's daughter tried to do some of that, but then Howie turned around and shat on her for it. Yeah. And the, the second she would try to challenge anything Tom had to say, he would turn around and act like she was being unreasonable, like she was doing... Like, it would just all feeds back into the fact that this these men... Yeah. Not just the men on the show, but also men in general shit on women, 
shit on their thoughts, shit on their interests, shit on their emotions, shit on everything about them. And that is echoed in this episode because fuck Tom Schwartz as well. Yeah, we'll get to it. Let's just get into this episode because I'm fucking done talking about that. I'm so mad right it's now. So, it's Let's so just infuriating. stop because I'm, I'm mad. Well, this is not going to calm you down. So we come into the episode from uh, Schwartz and Raquel making out as we left the last episode. Ah! And then we just see even more people are cheering them on with just is so fucking gross like you know and so and which also keep that in mind for later um and then Raquel and Schwartz then go by the pool in private this like separate pool to make out more um Raquel was in her confessional like describing the kisses in like full detail and so soft his lips are so soft it was so gross and like she was saying that like maybe this could be something I just I want people to watch what happens in the energy between these two because the energy changes at a certain point in the episode mm-hmm. and we will talk about our theory as to why that is. Cause there's a lot, so there's a lot of thought about, cause obviously like the big topics in scan of all broke was like, it, what was Schwartz's role? I think this episode makes it clear. Yeah. Or at the very least puts out some evidence that I think could be used to push a, push a theory. Um, so the lady, uh, Lala, Katie and Christina Kelly and Allie and James go into Lala's room after their dinner and Sheena calls. This is where it's so fun. Sheena calls and Lala puts her on speaker and they're all, but Sheena doesn't know that who is with Lala and Sheena's You like, always ask if you can tell when you're on speaker, yeah. you ask who's in the room. Yeah. But like, so Sheena's like, Hey Lala, why didn't you come to the thing tonight? And Lala's like, I was out at dinner or whatever. And she's like, okay, well, we can talk about that later. Anyways, did you see Raquel and Schwartz making out? Like, and this is how Katie finds out. And you could see her face fall. Like, I just, my heart broke. Like, I was both heartbroken for her and furious for her. Like, I'm still, like, oscillating between those two emotions. And I just, I... mm. Yeah, she was like, Brock was saying that they made out or whatever the fuck. And James also, I I get, like, it's one of those things where it's like, sometimes you want, like, the person furious with you, but, like, (laughs) but he's not helping, like, in terms of, this isn't the moment for it. And James was like, oh, they're going to finally bump peepees tonight. Well done, Schwartz. (laughs) Really? Really? It's like, don't, like, James, stop. Um, And, yeah, Katie's like, it feels like a complete punch to the gut. Then he, Sheena gets Brock on the phone, and Brock basically confirms it. Um, and it's like, yeah, everyone was cheering off of the set, and yeah, they kissed. And Lala's like, why the hell were they cheering? Like, why Good the hell were they cheering? Lala. And then Brock says, well, everyone cheered because they want Schwartz to be happy. Lala's the fucking voice of a nation right now. Like, there's an entire, like, million some odd people watching this show going yeah lala you tell them we'll get to it later too the moment i think was big on that um and lala's like you know is pissed at the fact that like they were cheering or whatever and lala says like you know katie did nothing to that girl and she's a disgusting swamp creature and sheena's like correct yeah and sheena's like okay well we're not gonna go in there i'll talk to you tomorrow about the whole you not being at the party or whatever and yeah, so and Katie's upset, and and her her and Christina go to their room, but James and Lala are still talking and and um, uh, and sort of discussing things. And James is like, you know, I knew Swords had the hots for her. Who wouldn't? 
as Allie's right there, it's like, oh my God. And then Lala's like, your, your fiance, your ex-fiance is a cheap, broke down hoe. And James, it's like, you know, Schwartz, Schwartz has always wanted to get with the girl. He wants to fuck Raquel up the ass, up the pussy, up the mouth, whatever. And Allie's like, you guys are disgusting. And like walks out. Seriously. Like, Jesus Christ, James. Like, what are you, like, way too much. Um, so, oh, so then we go to um, Sheena and Brock's room where they're basically doing like an after party or whatever to the white party. Uh, and everyone's drinking and, and going crazy. And then we, have, we see Sandoval and Raquel and, and Ariana and Sheena at the bar and Sandoval just going, Raquel, Raquel, like so fucking happy that she kissed Schwartz. Even if like, here's the thing. Even if it's like the gross element of like the 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 decoy and all that stuff, like even on a baseline of this, Sandoval is a fucking prick. Like so excited that Katie got hurt. Like so fucking glad. It's like, and like Raquel says that tells Ariana what happened, and, and you can tell Ariana's shocked. Like Ariana's like, fuck. Like she's drunk and she's like, you know, it's, it's not like. Full risk, but like, even still, she's like, that's fucked up. Like, I could tell Ariana, even though she maybe yeah. went along to get along this trip a little bit, like, was like, that's not okay. Um, you know, and Swartz is passed out in his room with his galaxy lights. Um, and Santa, and then Sandoval going, hey, hey, Raquel, here's Swartz's room key. And Ariana's like, stop it, Tom. That's gross. Like, so this is the moment everyone was talking about on yeah, Twitter. Yeah. I was like, pay close attention. Because like Ariana looks away at one point and Sandoval's like, what? It's no big deal. And it very much looks like, if you look at the body language and like Raquel's body language too, it very much looks like Sandoval grabs Raquel's ass. Though, to be fair, if he did... It is completely behind Ariana's body, yeah, and yeah. we could not we, see that. We don't see it, but like he like moves towards it, and Raquel's other arm like goes this way to where it like it, it, the timing. Of, it could be like a, a Harry Styles uh, spitting on Chris Pine moment that looked weird, but like which allegedly didn't happen, but I still kind of think it did. Yeah, um, but I it looked like it, and it was yeah. Um, and then they all start skinny dipping in the pool. And then we go to Katie and Christina and Lala's checking on Katie. And Katie texted Schwartz like that she hates him and that she's never going to speak to him again. And we see the longer text later in the it's episode, so good. which is like, I hate you. I hate you. I hate It wouldn't be a good cash trip without a Katie Rage text. Oh, yes. It was so good. But honestly, like Katie gets shit on it all the times for like her tequila Katie Rage text and stuff like that. But this was so deserved. I, I, oh, I, 100%. I was rooting Katie on so much this episode. Um, and like, and this is the point, like Schwartz tries to victimize himself of like Kate later about like Katie pushed him to do it. But Katie makes it clear. Like, I don't care if Schwartz dates and I don't care if Schwartz hooks up with people, but also just don't do it in front of me. There's a flaunting of it with yeah. this, that that's what makes it mean. Like I told you that this particular case, because it's somebody close in the friend group and that would hurt me. And you did it any not that because she would have had a problem if it was Lala. She would have had a problem if it was Christina Kelly. She would have had a problem if it was any of the women in this group. Yeah. So it wasn't because it was Raquel. Like the fact that it was Raquel and Raquel and her are bumping heads does not help. No. 
but but they're only bumping heads because of the infringement on the boundary right because and they were friends at the beginning they of the were season. fine they were perfectly fine but that's the that was that's like the idea that katie caused this is ridiculous like first off but even like katie katie's essentially saying here if he had made out with her and fucked her in private like like in secret honestly if they kept it for me take it to the grave whatever yeah but you're flaunting it in front of me. Or even if they had done that and then started a relationship in the background and, you know, like came out with it after Katie had had some time to heal, I think she also would have been okay with that. Yeah. And it's not a restriction because a basic human being would recognize, hey, maybe I don't fuck my, fuck my uh, ex-wife's friend. Yeah. You know. So we go to the next morning and Tom and Ariana are in bed together, like basically spooning, which like I think was very illuminating in terms of what short or Sandoval tried to portray on that Harry Mandel podcast of them essentially being roommates and having zero intimacy. Also D- get your hands off of her. Sure. I think her hands were on him, but doesn't matter, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't help with the narrative that he's trying to pull. Also that makes it worse because that makes it, seem like she's the one being affectionate and he's the one being cold. Well, also from that interview, the fact that he took her to couples therapy to work on things, she then improved on those things. He says she improved on those things, but he just cared about Raquel and wanted to break up with her anyways. Literally strung her along in couples therapy as if he was working on fixing the relationship when he had no intention to do it. Even in Sandoval's own warped interpretation of what he claims happened, he's the fucking asshole. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Sheena, Raquel, Ariana, and Sheena's sister then go to a spa uh, in the morning. Um, (laughs) I love Sheena still being upset about Lala not coming. Well, but this was another event that Lala didn't come to. This was supposed to be an everybody thing. Sure. But she's also upset about the night before. And I loved her in her confessional being like, it's the biggest event of the entire trip. And Lala didn't even come to say hi. Isn't the biggest event of the entire trip, the wedding? You would think so. (laughs) But actually, considering what we find out later in the episode, no, it's not the biggest event. Apparently not. Um, Yeah. It's like, I get what Sheen, I get Sheena's point on principle. I think I, I was talking about this with you. I think Sheena is right on principle out of context. I think with context of all involved, Lala's making the right choice. She's on the right team. Correct. And I and I commend her for that. And then Raquel's then they're talking about the rehearsal or whatever that they're doing. And and Raquel's like, what if I walk down the aisle with Schwartz instead of Joey? diabolical it's it's literally it's so fucking gross whether or not schwartz is involved with it or not it's fucking gross and also he she facetimed schwartz to ask him and he's like yeah that's fine (sighs) so disgusting um and ariana in her confessional basically says that raquel is acting like she's in a rom-com and i think she's the only one in it like she's basically being like schwartz isn't like connected to her right which i feel like I mean, if, if that's what Ariana's reading, that's, that's interesting to me. Because there's the question of, like, you were talking about, like, d- were Raquel and Schwartz both on the same page at a certain point of the decoy thing? 
or was this just Raquel? Because at the very least, Raquel is do- using this as a decoy. I don't believe yes. she actually likes swords. Oh, 100%. I think Raquel was. We will talk about it. I think it's right, pretty much right now, right? I think, yes. Um, so the, the scuttlebutt online um, and from the cast is that mm. during this um trip at some point which we have come to find out was right before the rehearsal the dinner. rehearsal dinner which is the dinner that we're about to go to at the hibachi place yeah I... um both raquel and tom sandoval disappear for about three hours yep um and nobody thought anything of it at the time now obviously that everybody knows they're putting those two things together notice how up until this point, Tom Schwartz has been very, you know, maybe this could be a thing. Maybe this could have a future. Maybe I find her know, attractive. I find her attractive. I want to do, you know, all these things, yada, yada, yada. What is the next thing that we see him interacting with Raquel? Him giving her a high five yeah, awkwardly. Yeah, yeah. At the hibachi and place. even Raquel notes that it shifts, whether she's saying it actively or not. Like she notes, she noticed like it shifts or whatever. And like the question is like whether they collaborated on that. So this is my theory. Somehow, some way, Schwartz finds out about the affair because he says he found out in August. He found out in August, and um. So this is during. This is August. I just hit my mic. Um, this is August. And um, so we find out that that's when he finds out, quote unquote, about a one night stand. Right. So to me, the only way that that would come out is if he either walks in on them or he catches them in some sort of situation where that's the only explanation and they have no way of getting out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something happens, but he finds out during that missing three hours. And part of that three hours is them calming him the fuck down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Because I guarantee you he was pissed. I think. So this is my theory. This is why he makes such a dramatic shift in the way that he is approaching Raquel. In public. This is why he seems so much more awkward around her. And he doesn't really look directly at her. Like during the rest of this whole episode. Mm -hmm. And he's all of a sudden shifting to fixing things with Katie. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's, I think that's a strong possibility. I think it also works in this, like, you know, because the whole like them kissing and making out in public and then something shifting and they notice that Schwartz isn't interested or whatever. And Raquel notes is, is noting that it's not interested. I think also the, benefits the decoy. Like it benefits this idea that like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fluid thing that's, that's moving and growing and it has levels to it and not just we kiss to throw everyone off. Right. I also feel like, um, you know what? I forgot what my point was, so let's just move on. <laughs> and then Sheena's sister makes a comment at the end of like, hopefully Katie has a dinner reservation tomorrow with a good view. Gross. Ugh. Um, we cut to, I, get, I think it's like the beach or whatever where James and Allie are sitting 
you know, James calls Allie Bubba, which was so weird. So weird. Yeah, I know nobody can see it, but I'm making the most disgusted face right now. It's so weird. And speaking of that, so Schwartz then comes over and says, and hi, and does his whole like, hey, how's it going? And James is obviously pissed. Like, and I think James has a right to be pissed to a certain extent. Like, he's a kind of, we t- you talked about, like, he's kind of in the same position as Katie, sort of. Right. Like, slightly different. But, like, you know, that is his ex-fiance at the end of the day. And right. him and Schwartz are friends. It's a dickhead thing to do. Yeah. Um, my only thing is, is that if he's still going to be this um, emotionally charged about it, he should not be with Allie. No, exactly. And it's not good for Allie for him to be venting about it with her right there. It's, right. it's, not, it's completely uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, Swartz then initially denies it, but then he admits it that, uh, to James when James asks. And he's like, you know, we don't really have a thing. And then James goes, if you say you don't have a thing again, it's kind of offensive, but go on. And then Schwartz is like, look, Katie forbid me from making out with Raquel. I'm an old man. This is like middle school shit. No, 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 no. You You don't get to claim maturity now. Not now. You don't get to play, like, you don't get to play the dumb fucking, I'm, I, you know, the Peter Pan syndrome shtick and how you're young and not developed at certain points. And then at certain points say, well, I'm 40 years old and I don't play these games. That's not how it fucking works, dude. Like, you don't act like you're 40. You don't get to fucking claim it. Um, you know, and then Swartz makes this comparison to it being like the princess and the toad and like that he thought the kiss would like zap him out and just finding ways to justify it. Um, and then he, Swartz tries to explain it and he puts his let his hand on, uh, James's knee and then James like pulls back and is like, don't put your hand on my knee. Like it, yeah. it was aggressive, but not as like, you know, he was clearly holding back, which I thought was he was trying to balance it. He it does, was growth. <laughs> he doesn't do he doesn't do that well later, but no, yeah. but, but it was growth, and I'll give him that. Yeah, and he, James says he's creating a boundary essentially between Swartz and Allie. Um, we cut then to Villa Rosa, and Lisa is having Greg over to sort of talk things because he had Lisa had called her to discuss the business, and Lisa was surprised that Greg was so willing to meet because she was she didn't want to step on his territory, etc. And I love it. Like Lisa immediately as they sit down, it's like, so you ready to open on the 31st? And Greg's like, we're not ready. And she's like, what? Like, why, why are you surprised? He claims, so according to Greg, he still doesn't have a finalized food or drink menu, like a priced out drink menu. There's no bar Bible. There's no training that's been done for the staff. I, you know, Sandoval disputes certain parts of it later, but like, I believe Greg. I'm just saying it right now. Sure, I'm leaning. But, I'm leaning towards believing Greg. And sure, but and far be it from me to defend the Toms because fuck those two. But what has Greg done? Because all we ever hear about is what the Toms haven't done, and it seems like everything is becoming the Toms' responsibility. When Greg realizes that they have to shoot a TV show. Well, if they're, if he's, I don't know how he's finding necessarily the staff, like when they did the interviews and stuff like that, he's clearly organized and found the chef to do like the, to do the actual menu. Like the, like, I think he, I, I would love to see a breakdown. I agree. But like, I think there are certain things that he he seems to be doing more of the main stuff. And it, it is frustrating at the sense that like, 
not even before they leave on this trip, if Greg is to be believed, not even before they leave on this trip, they don't price out the goddamn drink, drink menu to put in the fucking POS that Brett wanted them to. Like, that, like... Sure, but at that point, I'm just going, great, everything's 15 bucks, done. Sure, yes, but like... Oh, how I mean, it? or maybe that's cheap for West Hollywood. I don't know. But it shows such a disregard. Like, like how long should that take? Like an hour at most? I can understand why the names take longer, but at the same time, there's a blue shark themed. Yeah. Like call it a deep blue sea and be done. I just think like they're not proving their point in the sense that like they, they needed Lisa and they didn't learn shit from the time of Tom, Tom growing. And it also pisses me off in the sense that like, so like, so Lisa, you know, talks to Greg and tries to get him to like, basically be like i'll kick their asses in the shape if you promise to get me open on the 31st greg i saw i agree with greg being like i can't promise that like i i'm not gonna like you know if it's not ready it's not ready like if we don't have those basic tenants in place like it's not we can't open like, yes but what is keeping him from doing it that that's my point it's yeah. like at, at a certain point your money's tied up in this too right so fucking get it done yeah like but like, and so, I also am with Lisa on this is like, why did you get into bed with these people? If you didn't know what they were about, you should have gone back and watched all of the shit that Lisa yeah. dealt with opening Tom Tom. She's like, I could have given you the tapes and realized this is what's ha- Peacock is free. If you watch it with ads, sure. come on. Like he could have watched that and then gone, this is what I'm getting into bed with. So I need to understand that these people bring a vibe and an aesthetic, and that's and it. That's it. But I, I am going to have to do everything else. But I don't think that's what the Toms want. I think they want to be the bosses, and I think they want to Sure, things. maybe they do, but if Greg wants to open this place, he's going to have to take the reins more. Yeah. So cause later, so later, Lisa called the Toms to sort of tell, tell them about the conversation. And Sandoval claims that he put the drink menu in three days ago or whatever. But Sandoval basically is like, you know, Lisa getting involved in this is sort of defeating the purpose of us going in alone, essentially. It's like... Well, but if you were handling your business, she wouldn't be getting she involved. She shouldn't have to, but she is because, you, like, like you've, you've put yourself in this situation, guys. Like, this is, like... At the end of the day, if you go out there and create an image on this show that she created for you, let's not forget that. Uh, if you go out there and create an image that you don't know what the fuck you're doing in business, it does not just reflect on Schwartz and Tam- Sammy, whatever the <laughs> fuck that sh- fucking stupid ass name is. I agree with Katie. That's the dumbest fucking name on the place. Of the, uh, but it also reflects on Tom Tom. Yeah. So like, I don't, I don't understand how you don't understand how you don't get that this blows back on Lisa. And how everything you do from the second you walked on the screen, season one, episode one, everything you do blows back on Lisa. Yeah. Everything. They don't care. They don't they, they think they're big be- they think they're bigger and better. At the very least, Sandoval does. Like, you know. Um so the SS Tom would have been better. Yeah. So Lala comes to Sheena's room and uh, they get to talking um, and, and discussing things. I love immediately Sheena's like, so are you coming to the rehearsal dinner? And Lala's like, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm eating dinner off property, which also I do agree in this sense of like Lala's not in the wedding party. 
Yeah, so why like, is she why, at rehearsal? She, the rehearsal dinner is for the people in the wedding party. Like, at least to my understanding. Yeah. Like, even though, well, she is in the wedding party uh, after the fact because <laughs> Sheena full on photoshopped Lala's face over Raquel's. It's so good because if you see this picture, because she just posted it on Facebook, or not Facebook, Instagram. <laughs> what is this, 2014? Instagram. Um, she posted on Instagram and everybody has is clearly got bridesmaid face, right? Yeah. Big smile, happy day. Aren't we so happy to be here? And then you get to Lala, and she is serving full face beat cunt model. 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 It's like, yes, bitch, work. And it's it's so good. It's, it's so, funny. so fucking funny. And the lighting is completely different. And I love how I love how they show it on Watch What Happens Live. And Andy's like, oh, my God, that's so good. And it's like, girl, no, it's, it's, it's th- not that great. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's good because it's low quality. And you but then you like pan and it's like the quality is completely different because it's clearly an airbrushed picture of Lala. I mean, not just airbrushed, but she also does really good job with her makeup. Sure. So like. It's that plus a filter plus you've got all of that and then it's put on top of this grainy picture and it's like what is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Lala basically says like the reason she's not going is like she wants to surround herself with women who build each other up and says that Raquel basically reminds her of the women that Randall surrounded himself with and she clocked it. She like clocked it. I'm like I like and I agree with like the building like. The, what especially what's being done to Katie? Like oh, yeah. you're, you're not a pro, like I don't like be like oh you're not pro women, but like you're not you're being mean girls. Like as much as Katie gets accused all the fucking time on the internet being a mean girl, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, like you can't look at what Sheena's side of the thing is doing and not think that it's the same fucking sh- shit at the and, very least. And in reality, that's not even what it is. In reality, Katie really doesn't do much more than defend herself. Yeah. And Sheen is literally just being a bitch to be a bitch. That's mean girl. Yeah. I did think it was bold of La- of Sheena being like, you know, I just, you know, well, Sheena was like, oh, you know, it's just, it's, it's my wedding. You know, it's not for Katie's vacation. And I, Lala going, <laughs> Lala going, you know, your wedding is important to you. It's not the most important thing to everyone here. That was bold. And, and like She's almost wrong. I mean, it was kind of, it was wrong, but it was not wrong. It was not incorrect. Yes. Like, but I was like, damn, Lala. It's like, you two are friends? Like, shit. Like, <laughs> Lala doesn't, she doesn't bullshit with anybody, especially people she respects. Yeah. Um, so the, we go to the hibachi rehearsal dinner that you mentioned. Uh, Schwartz and Raquel are seated together. And Raquel then, but, but Raquel makes sure to switch with him so that she doesn't sit next to James. Which coincidentally puts her next to Sandoval. That's a yeah, yeah. Um, and and also coincidentally moves Tom Schwartz away from Sandoval, which I don't know that we see Schwartz and Sandoval interact at all during this dinner. Not that I remember. I think he's mad. I think he has right to be mad. Sure. Um, and and Raquel is like, oh well, Lala's too chicken to come to dinner or whatever. Um, and then Raquel and Schwartz, like James is sitting next to them, but and Raquel and Schwartz are just like. You know, oh, we're anti-establishment for us kissing. You know, we're rock and roll. It's like, again, you're 40. You're 40. <sighs> Ew. It's so bad. 
and then James just being like, so Raquel, who else have you made out with? Have you made out, you know, you made out with Peter, you made out with Swartz. Like, it's like, James didn't give a fuck. Like, James was just, like, done. Like, like, and, like, it's mean, and it's... If he had leaned forward and said, did she make out with you, Sandoval? Well, he says Tom. People were reading into the fact that he goes, he goes, Peter, Swartz, Tom. And people were like, wait, what? But I think he just means Swartz or he, he something. But like, I didn't clock that. I'll need to go back and rewatch. Yeah. So like, it's 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 mean. You can say it's mean what James is doing. It's also not great for Allie. But in retrospect, honestly, Raquel fucking deserves it. I like. Uh huh. You know, and she deserves it. Allie doesn't. Yeah. James goes. I definitely think you're a bit lost, but it's uh, it's also nothing to do with me. So whatever. <laughs> like he does this whole like. Uh, he he does this thing where he likes to make a big deal about it and then after he's made his big deal about it he'll shit on anybody else making a big deal about it because it's not important yeah yeah it's exactly that and james is like yo don't lie about having chemistry and that you guys have always you know been hitting on each other and and trying to mack on each other and then that's when when swords start being like no we haven't etc you know, it's not, it's not, a, it's a, fr- we're friends, et cetera. And Raquel, this is where Raquel's like, I feel like he's, we had chemistry and now he's minimizing it or whatever, you know? And then James, Raquel brings up like, you got with Allie like three weeks after we broke up, you, you know, cause James brings up how close after they broke up, he's now, uh, Raquel's now getting with everyone. And James is like, and then James is like, you know, but that's the love of my life at the end of the day, Allie. You know, it made me realize that I was never really in love with you. And thank God I didn't marry you, which like is harsh. But like. I don't care. You don't say that to somebody. You don't say I never loved you. Yeah. Well, he's lying. By no, the way. I know that. But still. Yeah. You know, but it, I. Yeah. I, I couldn't feel bad for Raquel with all involved. I feel bad for the character that she's playing. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. That, what you just said. (laughs) Totally. Um, And then Allie is like, Allie's like, oh God. And it's like, James needs to work on reading the room. And then she's like, she tells James, like, I'm going to go say bye to Lala and Katie before they leave or whatever. Um, Poor Bambi-eyed bitch. And then, but James then follows her not shortly after and brings her food that she left from the hibachi place. Um, and James is basically like saying like, he's going to go with the girls to their dinner, uh, instead. So they get ready. Like the, they're, there's, there's this moment where they're about to leave. Cause they're in like this lobby. That's also like the bar or whatever. And they're getting ready to take their car to go to dinner. But then the, the rehearsal dinner is getting out or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like Schwartz is over by the bar. They start leaving. Schwartz notices and goes, Hey, Katie, Katie, and tries to talk to Katie and Lala Lala being a good friend, like Lala, yeah. this is the this is what you want in a friend. Lala stops Schwartz and is like, no, like she's pissed at you. This is not the time to do this. Like, you know, th- stop. And and like Schwartz is like, what? It's a, it's just a silly thing. And Lala's like, it's not a silly thing. Stop. Like, like yeah. And I also loved like you know Katie's like, oh god, like you know, and Katie's like, he looks like a sweaty pig right now. And Lala goes. You look snatched. And then hugs her. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you're, you're right. He is a pig and you are snatched, darling. Like, <laughs> uh, Lala, again, this is the, what I was saying about like whatever about like her not going to Sheena's events. 
Like, this is the right team. And we see it later. Not We see it here with Lala. We see it later with Christina Kelly. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what I, I think hopefully after the scandal and after the reunion and, and all that stuff, I'm hoping that all these women can come together and be like this. Yeah. This is what this is what we were talking about weeks ago about like women building each other up and supporting each other and like you know and fuck these men fuck these men they go to the dinner which is in like a cave um like this like it's kind of cool like sort of like like lighting and stuff like that um James basically says that the hibachi dinner was kind of like a quadruple date and Kay's like oh so they're dating now or you know Schwartz and Raquel are dating now and like James is like yeah it just it just felt weird and you know the, the fact that they're like you know, being so lovey, whatever, to each other. And Katie, this is where Katie goes, I want to light them both on fucking fire. (laughs) (laughs) Can I watch? Yeah. Like, you did this to embarrass me. I said, like, I I made it clear to both of them that this would hurt me and that this would... And they did it anyway, you drunk fucking imbeciles. Like, Katie was so on point. Um, Lala then... Oh, Lala brings up the Don again. Why? Uh, and well, she, she tells James about because James doesn't know about the Don and all that I, stuff. I'm. You don't need a, the. No. You don't need an article. <laughs> no articles here. Um, and and like she says something about like the sex was so good she was discombobulated and Katie going you were discombobulated and she was so <laughs> proud of herself like the smile on her face was just like yeah that was I a feel good like I am Katie yeah. <laughs> Oh, and so this was the part. So they're all in Sheena's room again, the rest of the bridal party and, the, and all that stuff, her bridesmaids and that. And then Sheena then breaks the news to them that she already got married a year ago to Brock and did so so he could get his green card, which I understand completely. But like, <laughs> like, uh. I have to say, she is such a fucking bridezilla for someone who's not even getting married. But did you see? No, no, her, no. This wedding, she was living free, and she wasn't being a bridezilla. She, she didn't care what happened at the wedding. It could have been in the back parking lot of Sir. Like, we'll well, get to it later. Well, I mean, this just reminds me because you know, I mean, this is not news to you. You were there, but like, my best friend Bethany got married. Uh, this. Oh, I guess about a oh, just was a year ago in yeah. Georgia. Um, although turns out she had already been married to her husband for two years, and we didn't find out until the way. Well, I knew, um, but very few of us knew that that had happened the two years ago. Mm. Um, and that was for like insurance and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah. they were already knew they were getting married, so it didn't fucking matter. Um, but. Do you know who was the most chill bride in the history of brides? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bethany. Yeah. Because she knew that there was no real stress on this day. It was already done. This was just a celebration. This was not an actual... Like, yes, it is important, and it was a very, like, beautiful day. And, um, like, the the pictures are gorgeous, and the ceremony was gorgeous, and I was so proud to stand up there with her on her two-year anniversary uh, <laughs> and celebrate her her marriage to Alex, who is an amazing husband for her. But I am so glad I did not have to deal with someone like Sheena. Oh, God. Because 
like Sheena, this was a destination wedding. Nobody involved with the wedding lived where we went to have this wedding. So it's technically a destination wedding. Um, you know, we were up in a- Appalachia, you know, in the middle of the mountains and the forest. And it was gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. So much stress involved and everyone traveling and everyone coming for events and things like that. We didn't have someone bringing a bridezilla. No. We had... Let's let's everybody come over to the cabin and get drunk and have fun. And that's all it was. Sheena could have been that. Yeah. Sheena well, I she, don't know that Sheena could have been that. <laughs> well, she got close. We'll, we'll Sheena get, is still Sheena at the end of the day. Yeah, we'll we'll get to it. And then Raquel also brings up like um, I kind of want to switch now and not walk down with shorts in the uh, down the aisle because his walk is really awkward and like weird. You were saying he was he was like a flamingo or something the way he was like yeah he was like picking his leg all the way up like to where his foot was tucked up under his butt yeah and then extending it forward and putting it down. It was like this exaggerated flamingo or. St- dork walk and it was like what are you doing and, it, and as raquel said in her confessional and this is a real sentence she said verbatim as a pageant girl and as a model a walk down the aisle or runway is very important ew also by the way i'm convinced that she fucked joey too that guy that she actually walked down the aisle with at least with that one i can't blame her he's pretty he's probably with somebody though oh well yeah. I, we get to the wedding day um, and we see flashbacks to how bad Sheena's first wedding was in terms of her, her being the bridezilla and all that. Um, but she's, she's also much, that dress. She's also Zen this time. Um, Brock and his best men are like taking shots out of shoes, which is so disgusting. It's a thing, but still, yes, it's mm. disgusting. And then, uh, so and they all, you know, we see them getting ready for the festivities. Katie and Christina, then sc- we see the, them scooping out from the balcony being like, let's, let's take a look. Um, I'll say the wedding was actually, it was very pretty. I will say this. I thought it was a really gorgeous looking wedding. I thought the bridesmaid dresses were cute. I thought like, like it actually was pretty beautiful in terms of the setting. Mm -hmm. Like, um, Brock looked, you know, perfectly happy and, and, and all that. So there, and, and even, I was a little disappointed. We didn't get our, um, we didn't get the really the fulfillment of that two week forward jump that we got a while ago Hmm. um, of Christina and um, Katie Katie standing on the balcony, shitting on the wedding. Cause that's really, that's actually kind of what they played it out to be. But in reality, they stepped out there for a few moments go, Oh my God, it's so pretty. And then walked back in. Yeah. They didn't really shit on it. Like they they should have a little bit later when Katie was like, oh, she got the same um uh uh person, same officiant for, officiant for her first wife, which Sheena clarified on her Instagram that that's apparently her cousin, and that like, okay, well that's I think that less weird. Like, but I, it it would be weird if it was just a, a random person. person, or if it was even if it was a pastor like that you grew up with or that you've yeah. known your whole life. It's still weird that he's officiating both weddings, but if he's family, then that's And different. I think Katie, I, from what I saw, I think Katie posted on her Instagram story, like kind of apologizing for saying that actually. And like, it was a beautiful wedding and she shouldn't have shit on it, which I think that's growth for Katie. I, I Katie, sure. I wish that Sheena would grow like a little bit and make a public apology to Shay. 
Well, oh, to Shay, yeah. Like because that- she literally this entire season has not brought up the wedding without shitting on how bad the first wedding was or how bad the first marriage was or how bad that Shay was at being a husband or how bad any of all of that was. So she crafts it, for the most part, she had crafted it pretty well. Like when she was talking about it. She and how always she, finds a dick, And she, how she had growth. Like, because there's a the moment where like, they're both at the top of the at the thing or whatever about to like say their vows or whatever and the wind is too aggressive and her veil is like blowing like too far and crazy and she's just like should we get rid of it yeah you can take it get rid and that was like her big moment of like she didn't become a bridezilla about it and she just was like what it's gonna be it's gonna be and i just love brock so it doesn't even matter that i'm not wearing it's organza girl like that's my growth like sort of like Uh, sorry it might be tool who cares yeah um, but like she was crafting it in, mo- in most part, but then at the end she does take a dig at Shay, basically saying like, "I was so worried about everything at the wedding going wrong that I wasn't focused on the fact that the marriage was wrong." You didn't have to say that last part. Like it's like like she could have even crafted the same sentiment in a different way and said, "You know, I was so worried about the everything at the wedding going wrong that I wasn't realizing that." Shay was never the right person for me. And yeah. as much as I loved him, we weren't right for each it's other. It's always, there's a, you can bring, there's always a politer way she can bring up Shay. There's, there's always, always a, a politer way that Sheena could do literally everything. It's all, the way she says it, it's always so gross to me. I'm sorry. Like, she always finds the bitchiest, most horrible way that she could say something, backs it off one notch so that she has, well, at least I didn't do that, and then does that. So even though, and also, even though she had her veil moment where she was, like, giving away, I also really love when they start to read the vows and Brock takes out his paper to read it, and Sheena, under her breath, goes, wow, mine are longer. (laughs) Such a Sheena moment. (laughs) Uh, And then they kiss, and it's beautiful, and it's great. Um, they're going out. Um, uh, Christina though only has a white dress left of all of her dresses, and she's like, Awkward. "Should I?" Like, um, uh, they're at the reception or whatever. Lala tells James about him, like, like tell tells about like James asking if like should I propose to Allie or whatever, and she was like, "I love that." Lala was like, and I was like, "Pump the brakes!" Like right in front of Allie, or she's saying this. Um, and then like, oh, they talk about like, how would you propose or whatever? Like, and Lala brings up, oh, you probably doing like Palm Springs. Right. And James is like, no, that was my, that was with when I was with Raquel, you know, and it's really offended that like Lala brought that up to like thought and like, was like, oh, is that a dig? And you were like, why would you change your, what you enjoy and like, like because- I don't, I don't know about you, but when I was with any of my exes before you, my aesthetic was pretty much the same. I still liked the color red. Yeah. I still really enjoyed Victorian houses. Um, I thought forests were pretty. You know, I, I, my aesthetic and my taste in things really didn't change because I was with a different person. Yeah. So um, maybe if you don't craft your entire personality around a different person... And you stand on your own two feet, James. Um, maybe then, maybe then your aesthetic won't change when you break up with somebody. Right. But we've seen the fact that you are codependent to the point that you can't be alone for literally longer than three weeks without a woman. Like, I just I can't. 
So figure fun. yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> Work on that. Um, Schwartz then Do ta- that challenge. Schwartz then talks to Raquel and tells her about like Katie's rage text and stuff like that. And Raquel, so, like, I hope you don't feel bad that we swapped or whatever walking down the aisle. Your walking skills weren't up to my standards. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And Schwartz basically like, it was nice making out with you. Like very like cold. And this was That's what I'm saying. And you, yeah, I think he knows. I think at this point he knows. Um they they have the reception. Uh there was the moment where they do the dirty dancing um moment with Brock and Sheena cuz I remember last season they brought up that like when they were at Coachella or whatever concert like that's when they like Brock did that to her and she thought it was so romantic or whatever. But they she does this as these like fireworks and like the stuff like are coming around them and they're getting real close and I'm like Oh my god! If he lights her dress on fire, that would be fucking hilarious. But honestly, <laughs> it would be the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Not that anybody deserves something like that to happen at their wedding, but it would—I would still giggle. Yeah, so, <laughs> I would still giggle. So Katie and Christina have dinner at the hibachi place that they had the rehearsal dinner, right? Right. And they're having sushi and and drinks and stuff like that. Oh, and, sushi. And, well, well, yeah. Guess who shows up? Schwartz. Schwartz goes from this wedding reception just to like, and like, as soon as Katie locks eyes with him, like the, the disdain on her face was so palpable and so deserved of just like fucking shit. And this is like, he just, again, this is the second day in a row that he's done this. And like, he just like, like lurks around her space. And it's such like a, the thing that pisses me off, it's such a power move that he's trying to pull of like, I can get in your space or whatever. And Christine's like, where did, how did you know that we were eating dinner over here? And she's, he's like, yeah, I was just snooping around. And then he looks down and he's like, Oh look. And grabs a piece of their sushi and eats it and makes direct eye contact with Katie as he does it. Fuck him. Fuck him. He is a piece of shit. And that was him attempting to be like, I, you don't get, re, you don't get reprieve. I run this fucking shit. Yeah. It was such a fucking power move to try to intimidate her. Yeah. It, and I thought it was so fucking gross. Um, and she just death stares him. And it's just like, it, it, it was such a legendary death stare. Cause she it was, was so good. She was so committed to it, you know? And he's just like, yeah, I, I just came by. Like, I don't want any weird tension or anything. And Katie's like, we're way past that. Like, Katie is so, and then he tries. She is at the height of her game during this. Well, and he tries to then claim like about the kiss and defend like I didn't realize everyone was watching. Bullshit! Bullshit! You heard Brock say make out and acknowledge that everyone was looking at you. And Christina calls him out on it and is like, "That's bullshit." And Christina Kelly was the fucking ace of this. Like you, like. Schwartz is king. This is Katie gets shit all the time about being mean and being aggressive and being a bitch. And part of what it is, is that Schwartz does these things to where she can't fully express herself properly. So she gets exasperated and she doesn't communicate in the best way possible because it's a tense situation that Schwartz is creating. Right. So Christina offsets that. Christina is letting, is fighting the battle when Katie needs to. Katie needs help. Right. And it's just like I was talking about with, uh, with Teresa and Melissa earlier is that he does things that are seemingly innocuous, seemingly small. They're just little bitty things so that when all of them add up, 
it's understandable that Katie is blowing up and is angry. Yeah. But when anybody is looking at this single situation, it seems like she's the crazy person. Yeah. This is classic narcissist behavior. And But the thing is, is I don't think that necessarily... He is the narcissist. He's been trained by narcissists. He's um he's covert. I th- like I saw a great tweet which was like Jack Sandoval and like uh Schwartz and it was just like the different forms of narcissism. Like it it was pretty accurate. Like um but also I noticed like the thing also like he switches. The way that Schwartz switch like he starts by playing this whole pu- the puppy dog stick and it's like mm-hmm. you know I just don't want there to be issue and like you know oh I didn't notice people were looking blah 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 whatever and the minute he realizes Katie is not putting up with it he fucking switches and starts getting mean. Like he she says I never had hatred for you before and now I do and Schwartz goes well that sucks for you. Yeah. And then he immediately turns mean and starts then making the digs. It's so it's manipulative bullshit. And Katie in her confession was like, she's sick of just even talking to this shell of the man that she once loved. Like it's not even all of and credit to her. Good for her. Cause it's like all of what I loved about him is gone in this moment. I don't see oh, it. Yeah. I, there's nothing about him right now. That was the man I wanted to marry or be with. So I don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah. Credit to her. Um, you know, and then she, then she says the line of, I think you're pathetic. I think you're a drunk and I think you're a loser. And then, then, then again, Schwartz being the victim again, is confessional is like, you know, for the longest, you know, it's just real clarity. Like for the longest time, I thought Katie was divorcing me. And now I realize that like, no, I'm also divorcing her, you know, and because I deserve better. Like, like justifying in his head, like, oh no, she didn't break up with me. Let's like, be clear, Schwartz. You can't get better. No, nah, uh. you're lucky you got her. Yeah. Uh, but also, let's be clear what he means by "I thought she was divorcing me." He thought that this was punishment for bad behavior, and then he would just do something at some point to win her back, yep. and it would be done, and then they would just go back to being married, or he would do something. That would, you know, make her jealous, like this thing with Raquel, and then she would take him back. And once he knew that this thing with Raquel was not going to move forward, right? Once he knew that she was taken by Sandoval, mm-hmm. then he goes back to Katie. Then he goes back to Katie and tries to exert power over her and tries to dominate once again and say, no. This, you're being stupid. You're being he he negs over and over and over again. Yeah. And then trying to put her in her place. And the thing is, is that she like I was talking about on the last episode about how the queer community has outgrown the closet. She has outgrown the space under your boot, motherfucker. Yeah. And towards at the end tries to like cap it by being like, you know what, Katie, you need humility. And you know what, dude, you need a fucking mirror. Like. Yeah, it's it's so rich. Um, we go back to the uh, engagement part or the the reception or whatever, and there's these people in these like reflective bodysuits with like doing like these like weird interpretive dance. I don't know what it was. It was real Sheena. Um, and then Raquel pulls Lala over because she wants to talk, 
And then Raquel starts. This was so again, great. <laughs> again, you know she's fucking Sandoval in this moment because she goes, I want to apologize for what I said at the pool party about you giving off Mistress Bimbo vibes. Oh, now you want to apologize for that. Oh, now that you're the Mistress Bimbo. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and Lala is just like, you know, in the topic of Vegas comes up and Lala's like, you know, I don't think you remembered Vegas very well. Like, because Raquel's like, I just felt like everyone was judging me in Vegas. And she's like, no one was judging you. I, they were kind of. But, like, I don't yeah, think- but I think it was light shade. I don't think it was actual judging like you're an awful person for this. It was just, it was teasing. And it wasn't. Fa- yeah, well, and then Raquel and her confession will be like, the fact that Lala wants to try to claim that I don't remember things and that, you know, oh, they weren't bullying me and they weren't treating me terribly. That is the height of gaslighting. Raquel accusing someone else of fucking gaslighting in this fucking moment. So fucking rich. So fucking rich. It's just, it, it was, if it wasn't so awful, it'd be comedic. Yeah. And Raquel, then they start getting into it. And Raquel's like, I think you need to take up a hobby. Uh, And Lala's like, really, bitch? Like, she didn't say, but like, she's like, I'm disgusted by what you did with Schwartz. Like, what you did was fucked up. Like, that's, and it's just a testament to like, why I don't fuck with you. And Raquel's like, you know, I will own, you know, making out with Schwartz and, and that it was wrong. I could have done a million things worse, though. <laughs> could have? Could have? Actively am. Yeah, at this very moment. Um, and Lala clocks her. And again, whether or not Lala was correct about shading her in Vegas or whatever, Lala, at this point on, Lala clocks her ass. She's like, I think your self-worth comes from the approval of a man. And that you have, and and that is the basis of how you view yourself as important. You and also says you have a mental breakdown coming. Well, and Lala says, I think you're going to need some love, and I think you're going to need some support. Damn straight. Like, and I, someone made a good tweet about like when Lala leaves, Raquel does a like okay, and then sticks her tongue out like eh, whatever. And like, but you can tell Raquel knew Lala clocked her. I feel. Yeah, like she read her up and fucking down. Um, Katie and 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 Christina go to the bar, and and Katie's being wine Katie for the night, which by her description is very similar to Tequila Katie. Um, yeah, but it's more chill and laid back instead of rant text messages. It'll be disappointed text messages. Yeah. <laughs> but then she also talks about like you know you know what like you know after this like you know I've been going having some like little flings and like moments and that with some, some guys. And maybe at this point after this short stuff, I should commit to that, you know? And apparently she's had this like casual ongoing thing with this 25 year old, um, which she calls herself a, because she's not old enough to be a cougar. So she's a Puma. Um, and she's like, you know what? At this point I've been keeping, I've not been bringing him around for the purposes of not like making a big deal with Schwartz and like, you know, respecting his feelings. Maybe I should start bringing him around. Yeah. Because he clearly has no regard for your feelings. Yeah. And that's how we end the episode. Also, I'd like to point out that we don't have words for men who date younger. We only have, we only categorize women who do that because in our society, it is normal for men to literally hunt. Yeah. That's why they're animals when we talk about it with women. Mm-hmm. They're, they're literally women that are or they're animals that hunt younger prey. Well, men do that shit too. 
but it's normal in our society. Yeah. But when women do it, it's a we have to label it. We have to call them a name. We have to categorize that. It's so fucked up. Um, and so, and we also should note, first we'll say great episode of Vanderpump Rules, I think really dramatic and, and it's going to get even, even bigger. Um, Lala, they were at, Lala was on Watch What Happens Live and they, there was a question asked about like, was Raquel like still friend acting as though she was friends with Ariana and her and Andy both tease that there is a scene in the finale and that where Raquel and Ariana have a conversation before this stuff comes out. And Lala, so it's the pre two extra weeks the, of filming yes, before bef- the, bef- the, fin- what the was supposed to be finale. the finale before they picked up. And the way Lala puts it, she's like, she's sick. And like, Andy's like, I asked her at the reunion, how could you look her in the eyes and say what you said to her, knowing what had happened? And also, there's, there's apparently going to be multiple moments, because when Lala says, like, there's this scene, and Andy goes, by the, f- I, I watched it back, he goes, by the fire, and, he go- and Lala goes, at the finale party, and, and, La- and Andy goes, oh, that one. So there's multiple. So is that the, I think that's the party where Lisa is making some speech on a patio. Based off of what I can glean from the mid season trailer, I think they're doing like some kind of like something about her celebration about them getting the space. Oh, okay. And that's what it looks like. And like, yeah, that's where Lisa does that tearful, like sort of Mm -hmm. thing. So yeah, that's. (sighs) And then also apparently over the next few episodes is where you start seeing the real giant glowing hints of this scandal mm-hmm. coming through. And that would explain why Schwartz was like, they started getting brazen with it. Yeah. We got to be looking out for those lightning bolt necklaces. Keep yep. a, keep a close eye. Yeah. So it's going to get even crazier and who we're going to be covering all of it. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, the newest episode of ultimate girls trip, we're talking all about don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the wrestling name. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination and equity and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites, fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, 
and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to A Gay and His MB. Let's check in with our friend Pepsi down in Thailand. <laughs> check in with Pepsi as he's exhausted. Like Poor Pepsi. We cut back and he, yeah, he's still like just like reeling from this whole Giselle shit that she started. I also, so Heather, <laughs> but they're getting ready and Heather uh, is, uh, uh, Porsche's in Heather's room and Heather going, Do you want to do you want to take a shot? I have a bottle of Clase Azul I stole from Giselle and they start laughing. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> Heather was really good this episode. For a second, I thought she was for real, and then I was like, wait a second. Yeah. They like Heather Heather this was kind of Heather's redemption episode in certain ways. Which uh, even for like having a bad couple last episodes, like which makes me wonder what happens between now and the end of the season because her well, and Whitney still do not end on good terms. Well, I think it from what from what I remember from the reunion, I think it was BravoCon. That BravoCon. Oh, game. that's according to Whitney. Um, and so, but they're getting ready to uh, have this dinner, uh, and we cut to Giselle at the bar, like getting ready, and they're pouring her Don Julio. They have tequila. What is the issue? Literally was my point. Is like they have other tequila. Shut the fuck up. Uh, and Giselle being like, you know, I just want to be at peace. You caused this. You're the reason people aren't at peace. What are you talking about? Uh, she like it is all. It's almost sociopathic. It's it like it's fun in certain moments, but it the her the way her brain operates like needs to be studied by scientists. It is scary if she had left it with the little thing at lunch and made off like that was you know joking and playing and i'm gonna search everyone's rooms (laughs) who's first when we get back is it gonna be heather's room i'm gonna check heather's room first if she had done something like that and then left it it could have been a cute little fun little ha ha kiki moment. No, but of but no, not. she had to be an overbearing bitch. Yeah. Um. So Pepsi gets them ready before the day, and Pepsi gets the girls together. Like, <laughs> it's like, so good. full on is like, I need to have a talk with you, ladies. Like, and he's like calling out that like, oh, you're fighting at one point, and they're like, ah, give me a hug, like the fakeness, and he, and he's almost got like tears in his eyes again of just like. My, you know, love and respect for you. It's not fake. It's like, <laughs> like, I was Poor like, oh my Pepsi. God. And like Candace, like, so Can- Candace starts apologizing for the fighting and like seeing like, I'm sorry for, you know, being, you know, loud and, and screaming across the thing or whatever. And as they're d- doing this, Giselle and Portia are just whispering to each other. Like Giselle's like, I'm not apologizing or anything. Like, like no respect, no respect for Pepsi. Or anybody else on this cast. Like, Leah Leah is, like, and then at one point, like, crying about how Pepsi, like, you were so helpful to me when I, you know, had that issue at the store or whatever where I thought I was going to die, et cetera, and you were so Mm -hmm. caring of me. Cut to Giselle being like, he doesn't own this house. He's getting a check. What is wrong with you? So? You're a... you, You getting a check too, bitch. I understand, like, you know, 
no better hate than Christian love, but you were a first lady at a goddamn church, and you're being this goddamn disrespectful to somebody? X. X. She ain't married to him no more. That's a key. And, like, Leah's, like, still talking. And Portia, like, seemingly just interrupts Leah to just be like, well, you know, we're sorry, Pepsi, we won't do it. And Leah's just, like, in the, like, literally in the middle of Leah's sentence. It wasn't even just a, like, she was, like, emotionally, like, I, like, she was tearing up. Yeah. And Portia just, like, starts talking out some random shit that nobody gives a fuck about. And she's just like, oh, I didn't realize you were talking. I really? They kind of made me feel bad for Leah this episode. Like, Yeah, I, between I, this and her still being sick. I'm not going to I'm not gonna advocate girl. for Leah ever. I'm not going to be like, yay, Leah on everything. But, like, I was like, okay. She was going through it. Yeah. Um, and Giselle's like, Pepsi's not built for this. We need a Coke or a Sprite. Okay. Whatever. Um, we go to then to Marisol's uh, cocky making dinner that she does where they, they're doing cocktails or whatever. Because this is still the same day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Same day. And like Marisol's like, because I think Leah's asking like, oh, is there a non-alcoholic one? I think there was. I, they didn't, there was. They didn't ever explicitly said though. No, they did. And Marisol and her confessional being like, look at poor Leah. If she had a cocky, maybe things would be more festive for her. Yes, that's the great thing to say that the recovering al- about the recovering alcoholic. I mean, this is not the first time Marisol has said that on this trip. Yeah. So like, so they she brings in Hoy, the mixologist. Um, they start with the. <laughs> so our first drink is the extra stiff cocky. He's <laughs> like extra stiff cock, and Leah's like, "This is the only case. I'll, the the only case where I like a limp cock." <laughs> yeah, this is the part where they were talking about Leah. It's limp because it's non-alcoholic. Yeah. So they're throwing like a bunch, like there's a bunch of stuff in this drink and they put like a whole, like, like one, it looks like one of those like Thai, well, yeah, Thai chili. It's like one of those like skinny, like red Thai chilies in Uh there. And Candace is making hers and she's like, oh, it makes me miss my husband. And Portia goes, because of the little pepper. (laughs) She said, because he makes drinks for me. (laughs) like wow and then they make the second drink called a porn star and pepsi going who's gonna be my porn star tonight <laughs> pepsi is so horny pepsi gets real horny later to a where place where i was really uncomfortable like um oh i forgot like they, I no wonder he had four wives is this where they sit down? I don't know where. Like, I can't remember. This is still where they're making cocktails. But like, Candace says that Heather would do the best on OnlyFans of the group, and Heather basically says like, "Oh yeah, I would crack a watermelon with that." <laughs> like, I mean, Heather would be the type to do the like, you know, cantaloupe between the legs, like you, you know, the, the head crushing like, videos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Marisol is look is getting the stuff ready for the actual dinner, and she says it's basically a drink a tribute to Mama Elsa. Mm-hmm. For the dinner, which was, I didn't, she's basically like, you know, we drink, we dress up and we talk shit. That's in tribute to her. Like it, it wasn't really in the, like, cause Giselle's like, so what's the, is the menu like based around, is it, she's like, not really. It's like Thai stuff. <laughs> no, but she was saying that it was like the decor and the things on the table were things that she would really enjoy and things that she would find pretty and she would be entertained by. So, I mean, I get it. Yeah. It, it it was still cute. Um, so they're at the table eating, and Giselle brings up Leah saying in her room that she thinks that Portia hates her or whatever. And then they get into this discussion. Uh, and I love Portia basically being like, "I never said that I didn't that I hated you." You know, Candace brought to the thing to my attention about like 
you being upset about not being tagged in the Instagram photo. And, and the thing is, I didn't tag you because I don't like you. You just said you didn't like her. Well, you, you just said that you never said you didn't like her, but you're saying you don't like her. Uh-huh. She's just not my vibe. Make it make sense, Portia. <laughs> it was so like, I was like, wait, is everyone hearing this? Like no one acknowledged how like weird that was. Um, and Leah's like, well, I feel the same way. And then uh, Leah brings up, you know, I just feel like we were talking at the elephant sanctuary about like the effects of social media and how it affects us and all that. And it just didn't match the things that you were saying in terms of like, you know, us being a sisterhood and all that stuff, which they played it back. And I was like, you kind of got her there. You know, Portia's like, okay, let me address that. Portia being hypocritical? Shocking. Um, Never on the history of her being <laughs> on our television screens has uh, this ever happened. I am shocked. I'm in awe. I'm going to need to have a mourning period. Please excuse me. Yeah. And so Portia basically goes, so let me address what, what you're saying, Leah. Instead of poor Leah, Leah, bye. And then they Portia bye. Leah, bye. Portia bye. And then again, and I love Giselle going, oh, great. We get it. Y'all will both buy. Like, <laughs> it's like, I don't think that's what they meant. Um, and basically, like, well. and then Portia again, like does this whole, like, you know, I think at the end of the day, Leah was clearly, is clearly just looking for a moment. You haven't done anything this whole trip. Like basically being like, you're, you, you're boring this trip and therefore you're trying to like create the TV moment or whatever. Which I mean, I get it. Portia was on a show that is now not the, I mean, they they got wiped out and replaced. So, I mean, I get it. Um, but now Portia is also in a similar situation where she doesn't have a show. Nobody gives a fuck who she is. So but why I'll, are you trying to read Leah for getting a moment when the only reason that you hitched your wagon to Giselle and are picking all these fights with Candace are for the same damn well, thing? Well, I was just about to say, like, you're accusing Leah of that when your best friend Giselle just spent a whole episode of this trip starting a fight over a bottle of tequila going missing for no fucking reason. Which, honestly, let's be clear, Don Julio is worth more than the Casa Azul. Is it really? I yes. thought Casa Azul was expensive. So is Don I mean, Casa oh. Azul is like, uh, is like $100 for the bottle. Uh, Don Julio is about 100 120 God damn. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's specialty, like... It's one of those things that people pay for the name and not for the quality because yeah. it can't possibly be that much better than the other shit that's at on least, the like. At least with Clase Azul, you get like a fancy bottle out of it. I mean, I just buy that Pinnacle vodka for like twenty bucks at the liquor store and be right. done. Yeah, um, and Porsche's inner professional being like, Leah wants all the smoke, and I don't have it. Go get one of your cigarettes. And then Whitney, Whitney tries to diffuse things and try to bring things together. And it's like, Leah, as your friend, I want to give you some advice. I think part of it is that how much you're complaining about your PMS. Which well, I mean, but it wasn't, advice. it wasn't just that. It was the, it was the complaining about the PMS, complaining about this, the weather, the, complaining about her room, complaining about all the things. Right? And I love Leah being like, my mom's a therapist. Okay, what does that have to do with anything? Well, she continues to say the reason that that matters is because she doesn't hold things in. She expresses her feelings in the moment. She doesn't hold on to things. She doesn't bottle things up. She just says it. So I get that. That makes sense. But it's also, 
girl that comes off complaining. Yeah. And Whitney in her confessional being like, I mean, maybe this is how Leah is. A constant state of irritation. I mean, <laughs> watch that last season macaroni and let me know. Yeah. Um, I still can't get, <laughs> you are the epitome, you are the epitome of white privilege. When she's like, has that Halloween costume with the bleeding neck and all that. Oh God, that season was awful. <laughs> um, Wasn't she screaming that at Heather? Yeah. This, this made no sense. The, it made no sense. Remember when they had a season where Heather and Leah literally competed to be like the best white person to black people? <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> I mean, it's not funny in the great grand scheme of things, but in the context of the show, it was fucking funny. Yeah. Mar- uh, Marisol then also, I forgot, like, oh, I'm, you know, we, you know, we can all still get along and be nice to each other. Like, I'm really enjoying Candace, even though she's the loudest one here. And then this topic come up, comes up again, Candace being the loudest, and they pull the table. And it's only like half the table thinks so. It's clear that people have issues with Candace. And, and can- even then, Heather only goes with it because <laughs> other, she's like, Heather's I a guess I'll do it. It's like, Heather. Stop it. <laughs> Grow a backbone. And, and then, then three seconds later, she does. And then Candace is like, the group is up Portia's ass. And Portia goes, oh, I can hold it all up there. <laughs> and then there's this discussion about like Candace's ass versus Portia's ass. Um, Who cares? Yeah. Um, so then we get to Heather and Giselle. And Heather brings up that, you know, the, basically Giselle's the only one that she hasn't been connecting with. Um, and you know, it, you know, immediately you were like suspect number one, et cetera, all this stuff. And Candace is then whispering to Leah about what happened, like when they were out. And it's basically like, you know, Heather was like reaming Giselle in the car and like, you know, I just feel like she should stand up for herself and actually say that stuff. And Heather basically kind of does for the most part. It's maybe not as aggressive but she still says the i mean the things about like i was at the point of just wanting to like flip the table and flip my soup and be like i'm fucking done with this like you know you're you know you're putting this judgments on me and like you know you don't know me etc and i don't have to prove myself to this person and i love candace being like and in this moment heather's balls have dropped <laughs> and i am so i'm so proud of her for standing up to neck <laughs> It is so good. <laughs> and Giselle basically is like, Giselle, I feel like Giselle is like, it, I don't know what the metaphor is. It's like the, you know, the pit bull who's like barking at you. But if you bark back a little bit, they'll kind of like back off. That's not what pit bulls do. But you know what I mean? Like if somebody comes at Giselle with the same energy, like it, it, that she's hazing, she'll kind of back yeah. off a little bit. And Giselle is basically like, look, I, I'm open to a do-over. We have two more days here. And Heather's like, I'm fine with that. Um, you know, I did come in with an attitude of kind of like, like me, pick me, you know. And Giselle's like, but why did you have to do And Heather's just like, I'm just trying to explain it and be vulnerable in this moment. And Giselle goes, I, you know, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not used to people being vulnerable around me. I got, I got to get used to it. Yeah, that's because you hunt out people's vulnerabilities and you attack them there. Yeah. That's the, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't want to be vulnerable around Giselle either. <laughs> I'd walk in with a fucking suit of armor. And Heather, the topic of Heather sort of being loyal to a fault comes out, including with Whitney. Um, and Heather basically, she says in her confessional that she's starting to realize that she can be liked and also have an opinion. And honestly, good for her. Yeah. And Whitney's like, more of this from Heather. I like this in Heather. And I feel like that has been Heather's journey throughout Salt Lake City of wanting to be the like, like, the pick me, like I'm, you know, she always, I mean, she talks all the time about being a fan of housewives before coming on mm-hmm. and like, you know, having that, like, I guess, imposter syndrome, you could say of like, 
you know. Well, and she's also someone that is, she's the closest thing that we have to a plus size housewife mm-hmm. right now. Her and. Um, maybe like Emily from OC. From, yeah, maybe her. But like, you, as someone who is also plus size, like I know what it's like growing up like that. Yeah. I know what it's like growing up in a super conservative religious atmosphere with a body like that. Mm-hmm. Like I know what it is like to feel like you have to do everything to earn people's love and affection because people aren't going to naturally give it to you. So I understand exactly what Heather is feeling in this moment. But girl, you got to grow up. No, yeah. And hopefully, Whitney's talking about like, uh, hopefully this is a breakthrough moment for Heather. Yeah, I hope so. Um, we talk about how things get a little bad for them later. But like, um, but and then, the, then they end the dinner and then they're sort of like perusing around and Heather like hugs Whitney at the end and starts crying and is like, I'm so sorry. Like, and it definitely felt like a like watershed moment of like, especially like coming off of that, fe- that season of Salt Lake, like there was a sort of relief in their cry with each other. Mm-hmm. And then it starts <laughs> talk about watershed. We get the, the sky opens up and the water literally falls on them. Yeah. And they're like, yay, baptize us. And then they both jump in the pool together with their mics on, which they realize like, <laughs> they literally go, well, that's $6,000 worth of damage. And then Pepsi <laughs> joins them in the pool. And then like a bunch of them start going in the pool and skinny dipping and stuff like that. What did you say? Like Marisol at one point uh, said something about like, I'm swimming with the Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she went into to their, to her and Alexia's room or into Alexia's room, I guess, mm. and said, bro, I'm swimming with the Mormons. <laughs> so good. And then like they go to like, they all start skinny dipping and then they all like go into this like confessional as, uh, coming off of the skinny dipping. They like, they had to do a lot of blurring. They didn't blur. I don't know if you like, they didn't really blur Heather's breasts like properly. It, it felt like a very light blur. Like the, like that you could like, it, it was like, and like Heather was just full naked. Like, just like, I did not notice out. that. And I, I, I find that funny that you noticed that watching that on a cell phone. Yes. And I literally watched that on our 50 something inch TV at home. I, was and like, I didn't notice. I was that. like, I can see her like she's cause I guess she, she said she made some comment about like having like small nipples or whatever. And I was like, but I, I can see that. Like, <laughs> no, I didn't notice it. Um, but I also was working at the same time I was watching this. So, <laughs> um, so we go to the next morning, it's day six. Um, Pepsi's doing his, uh, daily stuff. And apparently Whitney is doing a tantric dinner tonight. Um, so like sexy aphrodisiac style like Mm -hmm. dinner and like Pepsi doesn't understand what tantric means. So like Giselle has to try to explain it to him. And like Pepsi tries to make this like hot dog analogy of like, but you won't eat it with like a fork or a knife. It was so awkward. It was. Yeah. Also, this was literally the worst person that could have explained this to him. Oh, yeah. Because Giselle has no, like, for someone who has how many kids? Two? Three. three. For someone who has three children, she seems to have no clue how sex works. No. I mean, she couldn't even explain to them (laughs) what her hysterectomy entailed, so... Jeez, it, it makes sense. Um, and Pepsi basically is like laying down the law to them about because they're about to go to the, the temple, the Buddhist temple, and he's very much in terms like there. There's a code of conduct. 
you can't you have to dress modestly like you can't be yelling and screaming like i this definitely felt like and they followed it very rigidly when they got to the temple just like i'm sure even the producers were just like okay not like yeah we get it that you want to be crazy for camera like not here like, i love you, how you will get killed i love how portia literally had like the heads a head scarf on it's like that's not required, but I, I get it. Sure. Like, Buddhists don't need that, but okay. But, but also, I love that Pepsi's explaining this. Cut to Whitney in her room with Alexia Marisol with the bit most cleavage. Like, more <laughs> cleavage than I've ever seen Whitney have. And she's like, oh, I'm not wearing this, though. <laughs> <laughs> and then Whitney's telling Marisol and Alexia about, like, the tantric dinner and what she's planning. And she's like, she, I forgot why she brought this up, but she's like, when she, like, her furries for, like, like, shut up or whatever is like put a dick in your mouth like she apparently says that all which i you know is <laughs> okay that's that that's a thing yeah so they're getting ready uh alexia uh brought a roadie and it's like marisol's rubbing off on me and like you know and all that stuff um but and then they're getting ready but then leah immediately has to like throw up and like rushes to her bathroom to like yeah and candace starts che- candace checks on her um and like it's it's clearly like she's like i'm having to throw up but like nothing's like it's like the it's something like really bad and this was supposed to be leah's day that she was planning with the like you know with Mm -hmm. going to the temple and stuff like that but pepsi's like you don't have to go i'll i'll handle it like you know all that and leah's thinking that she might need to go to the er and ends up does go to the hospital yeah so they get in the Sprinter vans to go to the Buddhist temple, and Heather gets invited into Portia and Giselle's Sprinter van, and Heather's so excited about it. Like she's like, "It's like it's like I'm in Mean Girls. It's like get in, loser. We're going shopping." Like, <laughs> well, uh, she definitely picked the Mean Girls. Yeah, uh, Ma- they're talking like Marisol's relaying the like in the confessional after the fact of like what's going on, and she she doesn't remember that Leah wasn't with them. <laughs> like they do not care that Le- other than Candace. Like, maybe a couple of it. Like, they do not care that Leah's gone. To be fair, Marisol's brain has been soaking in rum <laughs> since pickled. the 70s. Like, it's it's no longer viable. Yeah. So they do their, they go to the Buddhist temple. Uh, they do this thing where they place, like, gold leaf on these, like, statues. And, like, based on where you place it, it means different things in terms of, like, intentions. Um, Candace is tell- is saying like the Banshees are exhibiting home training, which is so accurate. <laughs> yeah, uh, and they give their gifts to the monks and gives them their intentions for them, etc. And then they do this thing where they basically, as they leave, they they pull these pieces of paper at random that are like numbered, and it's like I guess the tradition thing, and it's like kind of like a fortune, I guess, mm-hmm. similar. And Pepsi is basically explaining it to them, and it's like <laughs> I love. It. He starts with Giselle, and he grabs Giselle, and he goes, "Okay, you pulled thirty one." Um, it's not good. <laughs> and basically says that like, he, like your partner and she doesn't have a partner or whatever, but like once she gets a partner, he's going to be broke. <laughs> and it's like, well, what was Candace saying last episode about the Zalamoni checks drying up? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they go through everyone. Everyone's is pretty nice. Uh, apparently Candace is alone in the ocean, but she's a fighter or something of that effect. Accurate. And Candace is like, it really resonates with her in terms of what happened on this season and, and all that stuff. Uh, and then he gets the Porsches and he just goes, so you're going to have a problem with lesbian. (laughs) And they're like, what? And he doesn't explain. 
Like that. It's like he says that, and that's it. Like you're gonna have problem with a le- like you're gonna have a fight with a woman who's a lesbian. You're gonna fight your lesbianism, which we've seen mm-hmm. on Atlanta. Uh huh. Just ask Candy. Um, and so yeah so that was odd uh, they go back and they get ready for Whitney's tantric dinner Candace FaceTimes Leah to check in on her and she's still not doing well um, Leah's like is it boring because I'm not there or do, they not, do I not add anything to the group anyways because that came up at the dinner the night before uh, so we, Whitney's getting ready for the tantric dinner and she's going through the walkthrough of the kitchen with Chef Jamie and Jamie's like guiding through like we have oysters we have um, Thai limes. Um, we have, you know, all this various other stuff. And we have this, you know, the uh, curry. And the curry paste we ground for like an hour and a half. Just intense grinding of the curry paste. Over and over. Just grind, grind. He, it was like, he, oh my God. Like, really? It is supposed to be tantric. Yeah, but it was just like so like... like I I I I know I'm a decent enough cook. I'm like no chef says stuff like this. No actual chef like No, but it unless it's your four if unless you're like the sexy chef like unless you're peddling yourself as that. But that's I mean that is what this meal is supposed to be about. Yeah. Like so I get it. So oh, oh my god. So <laughs> and and they have a stripper pole and they brought uh uh pole dan- professional pole dancers as well. Pepsi starts giving everyone their cocktail that he made for them. And he says, the cocktail is called sticky in your hand. And they're like, what? And they're like, it's, it's a sticky in your hand and you'll need a towel to clean your hand after. And they're like, Oh my God, Pepsi. What the fuck? (laughs) And Whitney's, I think Whitney comes in and he's like, what's going on? She's like, what's going on? And Heather's like, Pepsi's teaching us about cum racks. So gross. Portia gets there and they're like, okay, so we're just waiting on Alexia. And Portia goes, who's Alexia? (laughs) I honestly, I've been that person. I've been that person where I've been like on, it's like, who are we talking about? Oh, (laughs) you know, that person you've been in Thailand with for the last six days. Yeah. That person. Yeah. Um, Marisol, oh, they, so, so they start with oysters, right? Because oysters are such a big aphrodisiac. And oh Marisol, Marisol makes that comment about like, oh, that oyster's all spread out like it's been all over town. It's like, <laughs> oh my God. This gets too, this dinner goes too far. I'm sorry. I get it. This goes too far, makes a lap around the tree, comes back, and then goes too far again. They do these like close up slow mo shots of Candace eating her oyster, being like, mmm, mmm. Mm-hmm. Like confused, and then like it was so odd. And then she they they have this dinner with the the second course or whatever, and it's like a Thai word, like it's like a Thai pronunciation of something, like some kind of a dish. And Winnie relays it as it it's like me con or something, and she just Whitney just goes my cunt. <laughs> <laughs> what? And there's a look on people's face like what the fuck? <laughs> like, uh. uh. Uh, they get to talking about how sexy the guy, the chef is. And like Marisol is like, he doesn't seem sexy. Uh, you know, I don't see, he seems Irish. Like he doesn't, it's like Marisol is so like, you know. I think she was more saying that when she thinks of an Irish person, 
she doesn't immediately think sexy. And that's why this guy is throwing her off because he is sexy. Yeah. And they talk about like, they don't like her and Giselle are talking about like not liking skinny dicks. Skinny why is dicks. Jenny always, or Jenny, Jenny, who the hell is Jenny? Why? <laughs> we don't um, talk about her anymore. <laughs> <laughs> why is Giselle always talking about somebody's penis? She, you, you mentioned that like a lot of times Giselle brings up people's penises. But it's other people making her feel uncomfortable. Yeah. She says she she needs them girthy, and Marisol goes, "Yeah, I can only I only like it if they're chubs." <laughs> and then Heather says something about being afraid of big dicks. Yeah, 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 yeah. She says that. Well, and then they bring out this banana blossom, which I never seen. And like they bring it out, and they're like, "Oh, like it looks immediately." And it like opens up, and there's like tiny bananas. It, it was like, "What the fuck is that?" I've never seen this before. It was. I don't know. I. And what did Whitney say about like at like whether it's like long or or big or like at least he has to learn how to use their nose, implying that like I think she's talking about with oral. Yeah, I I don't know fully though. Well, yeah, so Mormons have weird sex. (laughs) We're gonna get canceled for that. We at least know Whitney has weird sex. We've, we've seen. Um, and so you mentioned like Heather brings up the fact that she's scared of Big D. And Portia in her confession was like, I don't, think she, I don't think that's the case. I think Heather would break a Big D. Twist it right off. Like, oh my God. That doesn't, that doesn't sound fun for anyone. But as you mentioned, so Whitney brings up the paint scene that she had with Justin, the infamous paint scene. They got him fired. Uh, She's like, oh, you know, we do, you know, you cover yourself in paint and then roll around on this thing or whatever. And Marisol goes, did you put that in the kids room? Wasn't. Yeah, that was great. Wasn't the narrative at the time that that's not why he got fired. I, I feel like I remember the narrative being that that wasn't why he, he was told he got fired, that it was for some other reason. Maybe. I feel like you're right. Like, he was trying to, like, def- I think maybe to save his ego or something, like, was, like, saying something like that. Maybe. I just, I, I find it interesting how when we come on Girls Trip, it's breaking, all the fourth walls break, mm-hmm. and we're able to address, I mean, you kind of have to, because how else are you going to. But don't break it, don't break it to where you rewrite the story you're telling on. Right. It's just like, guys. You you had a storyline. Keep the storyline. Yeah. Or just tell us the truth from day one. But like, don't tell us one thing over here and another thing over there. Yeah. And Whit- but Whitney brings up Justin losing his job over it, and basically said like, when it happened, I wanted to immediately just like quit the show. And Justin told her, no, like you know, you deserve to have like I d- I'm going to support you. Like you deserve to have your moment where you have your career or that. And Whitney basically says that she's making more money now than Justin did last year, which like, that seems odd. Like, well, I don't probably, think housewives pays that much. Probably between housewives and the business she started. Oh yeah. I mean, finally getting a return on that giant investment. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and then Portia brings up like all the different like cringy sex scenes that have been on Housewives in the past. They're like, even if you think it's sexy in the moment, it never reads on television. It really doesn't. Um, and then so the pole dancers come out and they perform. 
and they're teaching them all how they like Marisol. Marisol did pretty decent, even though she starts and it's just like I have a very bad patella, <laughs> but she does really well. But Whitney obviously is the pro at it. She does like full like backward bend, like hanging off of with her legs. Well, but she has one in her house. So yeah, like- and then like does the splits and all that. And it's real impressive. And then that, so then they're wrapping up for the night and Whitney and Candace want like a nightcap and they're going to go smoke a joint or whatever. Um, We see that also that KFC has been delivered for Portia again. Although Portia seems to be surprised that it shows up. Like when it, when the guy with the producer walks in with it, she goes, what is that? He goes, KFC. And she goes, Ooh. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, girl, didn't you order it? Yeah. It's weird. (laughs) Candace and Whitney and their confessional smoking that joint is so fucking funny. It's so good. They're like, what's what's today? Is it, it's Wednesday. Wednesday. Oh shit. It's Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, and then like Whitney said something, I haven't been this high since I army crawled, like whatever the fuck that means. But then we get this last scene of Whitney high off of her ass, getting ready for bed, going into the kitchen and eating Porsche's KFC. And then laying in like this pool floaty. Does she take the KFC into the pool? Yeah. Because I feel like she had like that. That well, she buck, doesn't. Th- that she doesn't take the chicken. She she has like mashed potatoes or something, or like the, the that delicious mashed potatoes and gravy, and she ruins it by dumping it into a chlorine pool. It's so bad. It's so funny though. I it, was horrified for that mashed potatoes. Yeah, as upsetting as last episode was, like this was a good, yeah, lighter episode, and I and I appreciated that. I mean, all the stuff with Leah notwithstanding they basically ignored the the giselle thing they ignored the whole bottle thing this whole episode and i think that's what helped it like yeah the, the, no one acknowledged it no one like gave it any credence i like, mean the only mention we get is heather with that joke at the beginning yeah that's it like it i good because that was such a mistake but overall good episode of girls trip all right so tops and bottoms uh we got uh we got, uh, what's the first thing we talked Oh, uh, Jersey. That was so long <laughs> so ago. So long ago. <laughs> so we've got Jersey. We've got uh, Vanderpump Rules. And we've got uh, Ultimate Girls Trip. What you thinking, babe? So I'll, I'll start with my bottom. My bottom is Sandoval. Such a... Can I just say fuck that guy? Anyway, continue. F- fuck him. Like such a... The whole Howie podcast, first off. Even, I mean, the episode he's gross too. But like the... He's a fucking coward. I, I saw someone call him that, and it's like so accurate. Fucking coward. Like, he, I fully believe the reports that he wanted that film, scene refilmed, by the way, with Raquel that, made him, that he thought made him look bad. Oh, 100%. Like, and I hope that they keep that shit in the episode, too. Because there was no need for him to do this Howie interview except for his ego to not have an interview where he's unchallenged, be the first interview, so then he could set a narrative. Yep. You know, I don't think it's going to help because I think like people are now just going to want Andy to actually cross examine him, which I'm pretty sure he's going to do at the reunion. And like, you know, I, and honestly, I'm just, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the, he didn't match his story to what he said at the reunion to what he said on Howie. I would, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised by that. Fuck him. Like, I think also like there needs to, with the Robin Dixon stuff and this, there needs to be some repercussion at some point because, like, this is getting way yeah. too far. It's setting a bad precedent, and Bravo needs to put their foot down. Um, my top for the week, I'm going to give it to Heather Gay on Ultimate Girls Trip. I thought Heather had a 
good redemption episode. I was really down on Heather most of the season of Girls Trip. I thought she was saying crazy shit that was like mm-hmm. all really indefensible at certain points. Um, but I think she like this sort of like full circle moment that she had really sort of explained a lot of it and um allowed her to grow in certain ways and like have a I like I w- we talked about how we were so over the Heather Whitney stuff and that it was like really like we're just past it. But when Heather and her ha- when Heather and Whitney had that hug at the I I actually felt like oh this is nice. Like this is, makes me feel really hopeful. Obviously and you know stuff changes from that point. But the fact that it made me feel a certain way like was like okay, I had hope for this. Yeah. And like, you know, I think if Heather it makes me hopeful that if Heather can take the lessons from this and grow she could, you know, be a top-tier housewife and, and really, you know, and, and be a better, bigger person and better person at the end of the day. So I really enjoyed Heather this episode. What about you, babe? What are your tops and bottoms? Um, like you, I am going to swap and do my bottom first um, just because I want to end on a high note. Because I know um, it, it, for me, the energy gets sucked out of the episode when we end on a downer and I just don't want to do that. So um the the bottom for me um is going to be Tom Schwartz. Um I I fully believe by my headcanon of this is, you know, all of this stuff of him catching Tom and Raquel either in the act or immediately after the act. And that being that three hours of missing time, that being why there was a huge change in the way that he was approaching Raquel, Mm -hmm. all of that. 100% believe it. You cannot convince me otherwise unless you give me video or a photographic evidence. Yeah. Honestly. Um, Fine. All of that. I understand why he's angry at Tom and understand all of this stuff that's happening in the background. There is no excuse for the way that he treated Katie. No. And the way that he spoke to her and tried to manipulate her and like push her back in the dirt once he realized that he couldn't have Raquel. It was infuriating. And I I have never been so angry as I was watching that. Yeah, it's like upsetting. It, it's absolutely disgusting. Um, and on the flip side of that, my top for the week is Katie. Yeah. Because the way that she handled that piece of shit <laughs> and literally bodied his ass... Like, he stood no fucking chance. She has grown so much Yeah, I agree. in the short time that they've been apart. And I am so happy for everything that she has going for her right now. And everything coming down the pipe for her with something about her and her and Ariana's partnership. Mm-hmm. And... Everything in her future is going to be that much better because that piece of shit is not in it. Right. And, um, like, just seeing her really, over these last couple of weeks, really stand up for herself and really 
um, say, no, you're not going to treat me like this anymore. Like, this is why I fucking divorced you. And um, there, like, there's no hope for this to be a friendship anymore. You have burned that to the ground. And it's beautiful to see her stand in her strength and to see her stand in her power. And then for her to be surrounded by people starting, like we start to see this gathering, right? Mm -hmm. Of Lala and Christina Kelly, you know, really coming to her and surrounding her and lifting her up in this moment. And it's a small, smaller version of what we're going to see with how the cast rallies around Ariana yeah, later. That's such a good point. Um, so I just I really do hope that this cast of women can learn to band together and can learn to stand up to these men and take over. We'd love to see it. Love to see it. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And, and we're, we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.